guys and girls, and welcome to episode 153 of the F-Reality Podcast. Buckle up and assume the position as we discuss this week's top VR news. We're going to be talking about Microsoft's Flight Simulator. We've got some good news and bad news about Hitman 3's VR support. Retro virtuality games will be coming to modern VR headsets soon. And we're going to be discussing with our special guest, Kent Bai, the news that a Facebook account will be required to use Oculus VR headsets moving forward. And then finally, to round up the show, Zim has got some new VR releases for you to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team and find out what's been their highlight of the week this week. And also let us know what you've been playing in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up, he's the pilot of this fine podcast, always keeping us cruising at 38,000 feet and steering us away from turbulence. It's VR streamer, ZimTalk5. How you doing? I've had a good week. A funny week. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like laughing. Like, you know, you get to that level of insanity where you just like everything's pulling at you from every corner. That's my week. Yeah. So it's like laugh or cry. The choice is yours. That, oh, that's God. where yeah, I feel not, we're at right now. I'm not too much of a crier. I cried. I cried when I first put my face into a DK2 and I don't know. I might, might cry again if I did that again now. But yeah, it's been a, been, a, been a good heartfelt week. Lots of family time. I'm off on paternity leave for two weeks. This is week one selling loads of VR gear, which is why it's stacked up behind me. And, um, you know, crashing planes and stuff. So that's, uh, that's, it's been a fun week. I, I saw that because you went back and played some Face Your Fears, <laughs> like a classic. Yeah, I mashed up. So I was like, I'm just totally in a huge ass troll mode, which if any of you saw the reminder for the podcast today or, um, or caught that video or even the Fall Guys video, I'm just in this mode of like, you know, putting stuff together, mashups. And so what I did was I took a game called Flight Unlimited on the go that looks a lot like like an early Microsoft Flight Simulator and then composited that with some voiceover dialogue and uh, Face Your Fears, the airplane one, which I've actually done on a plane, which I don't recommend. I don't recommend going in your Oculus Go and Face Your Fears and the plane crash sim on a plane. Wow, like, I already feel sorry for the old lady sitting next to you and you're just screaming on the top of your lungs. Yeah, it's that or, you know, you, you do the whole grab the thigh by accident thing. That's not good either. But yeah, no, I, like I thought I was man enough. I was like, yeah, this is not going to be a problem. I'll do face your fears on the plane in the plane crash thing. And uh, yeah, that, you know, when you get that fear in you, like that little kid fear of like, I need to run. Like mm -hmm. that triggered that in me on the plane. Something about the like mild vibrations in the plane coupled with what I was seeing. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Aside from trolling this week, uh, yeah, crashing planes, playing some Fall Guys in pseudo VR and um, <laughs> escaping from a yacht. So it's been a good, uh, healthy week. Yeah. Did you get a crown in Fall Guys? Oh, no, no, no. I've, I've not got your skills, Mike. I've, I've, I think I might at some point. I'm still playing it on PlayStation, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try and grind it. And, you know... The weeks are quickly bleeding away when that's even going to be possible. I think people are going to be too good on there that, yeah, they are, that, yeah. that door is going to close very soon. They're actually rebuilding Fall Guys now in VR chat. I saw that. <laughs> that looks that's, awesome. That's, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think I'm just lucky though. Like when, because me and Zim played together and he was watching me and then I just managed to get a crown. I think it was just pure luck. That was um, ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't realize how hard it was at the time because you're like, oh, yeah. It was like the first game, I think one two or three games in like we were playing together just one afternoon when it was in the beta and uh, and then mike just crowned it and i was like yeah. oh good job but i didn't realize it was such an accomplishment such so early on. now i haven't got one since put it that way yeah. um <laughs> but yeah good to hear that you're well anyway uh so uh next up sound the alarm as this young bj blaskowitz is returning to castle wolfenstein but this time in virtual reality it's the one and only it's nathy how you doing oh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. Yeah, I I I had to go back to my guilty pleasure, man, to play to play it in VR, on the Oculus Quest, and my God, does it look amazing in VR? That was one it's thing beautiful. I was very surprised about when I watched your video. Actually, is how good it actually looked, even from the recording from the headset. Hmm. True, but uh, I did use a trick because Return to Castle Wolfenstein on itself doesn't look that great. Um, but if you use this this texture pack, then it's like great. But it it, it actually looked better than most like uh, native games on the on the Quest. Uh, it's crazy, and it played also like a good part like the developers could have done it themselves and, and sold it that way mm. i'm not sure if oculus would allow <laughs> wolfenstein on the platform though but uh it yeah it played amazingly so you had uh, smooth locomotion but also teleportation if you wanted to positional tracking so you could lean uh you know and you could uh hide behind stuff wow and um you could hold your weapons with two hands and aim down the sights and just shoot soldiers that way and it works even better than just playing a pancake because first i played it for like two hours pancake i couldn't stop for some reason it's still so addicting because the levels are so fast and it's like this quake style gameplay you know doom and, and, and it's just like so so satisfying to be playing it and the story is is very exciting too even though it's so pixelated um but yeah the vr version is is, is so good it's made by uh, dr beef mm. uh, he has a you know a good reputation uh, uh modding uh, games and uh, i think it's now on side quest it's uh it's free um, you can play the demo basically and if you own the game on steam then you can just transfer those files to your quest and then you can continue playing it that way but yeah i, I can totally recommend it um but as i said you know it's 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 a guilty pleasure for most uh, yeah because wow. nowadays wolfenstein but is that do you mean like the is this like the game that came out in like 2003 or something like ancient yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it, it did age well did age well it's like the uh, you know Mr. Uh, Doctor Beef did a similar thing with um, Half Life, you know. So yeah. uh, you know if you own the game uh, on Steam, mm -hmm. you could you could bring a lot of the files into the the Quest and play it on the Quest uh, in VR, yeah, which is a lot of fun. So it's just so great. weird that this game is still ten times more fun than than most titles that I played because everything is there. You know the story, the gameplay, and 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 I wish I wish we could just like it's just a bad sign that a game from as Zim said from the year 2000 I don't know when it came out is mm. is 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 in many ways just better and it's not even built but, from the ground up for VR. But it's classics like if I I've found the same thing for so long now like a lot of those bolt-on experiences where it wasn't designed for VR but then gets VR support are so rich cuz they are the full 360 of yes of what you need in a game. Actually, it's very well timed. Um, I was playing Quake 3 Arena uh, with kind yeah. of a small group of gamers um, because it was QuakeCon and they were giving away Quake 2 away for free last weekend. They just gave away Quake 3 uh, away for free. Sorry if you missed it. But actually, it's great that Return to Castle Wolfenstein and this drop, I wonder if it was intentionally timed or is that just a coincidence? Because that seems pretty cool. I don't know, but um, yeah, I can I can totally. It came out on the on Windows in two thousand and one. Uh, oh shit! Wow. And on Xbox two thousand and three. Oh, wow. Yeah. I hope we're gonna be at a certain point in maybe five years or so, where then we can start porting those games from two thousand and ten or two thousand and fifteen <laughs> yeah. or something, because those are like so yeah. sick. So would you say Fuck that um, this this port of Castle Wolf, Return to Castle Wolfstein is better than Cyberpilot? 
Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay. Yes, wow. for sure. Um, as I said, like gameplay-wise, it, it aged very well uh, yeah. in, in VR. And yeah, Cyberpilot, my God, that we are still talking about that title. Shame. Shame with that title. Yeah, yeah. it's a so, shame. It looked nice, though, like yeah. graphically, but gameplay, the heck. Yeah. So that's available on SideQuest. People can check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Okay. Well, next up, this next guy is our resident mad scientist who loves to all give us all a lesson on obscure VR tech. Everyone say howdy to Rowdy. It's Rowdy VR. How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Uh, very excited for this week's show as well. Too. We have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, and my highlight for this week is that I actually managed to I managed to finish off my my PC build. I only mm -hmm. had one problem and the problem is that I didn't realize I still had to order a power cable. So <laughs> oh my God. I had a fully built PC. I have a power cable that is only compatible with Europe, <laughs> so I, Europe. I had to order. Yeah, so I, I had to order on Amazon a single power cable, which was pretty <laughs> stupid to do so. They delivered it yesterday, but the damn DHL guy didn't ring my doorbell, and he just drove past and said I wasn't at home. <laughs> so I have to wait till like, next week for my power cable. I don't get that. Like, in, this is like you know, you know what? We're all stuck at home for certain reasons, like. Anyone who's there, like, ah, no, they're out. Really? Like, most people, like 95% yeah. of people are going to be stuck at home still. So I don't know. Anyway. Exactly. I know it's a little so bit more I, normal I, now. I don't, I don't have my power. I have, I can, I can show it real quick. Go for <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. 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 Show us. This is, this is great for the audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to show us a, a Canadian power cable. Oh, it's, just, it's just a rolled up bunch of maple leaves. Oh, oh wow. That's odd. Wow. It looks like a fridge. Oh, this is, this is. So Rowdy's opening his case to his PC now. It's a white, I think it's a white fractal designs case actually. It's kind of nice. Design. Oh yeah, this is pretty neat. Oh yeah. I like, I like the uh, the white case with the, the black components inside. It looks kind of nice. I'm just yeah. missing some RGB, but uh, besides that... Uh, yeah, it needs more RGB in there. Yeah, we'll go Rowdy. faster that way. You guys like well, I don't RGB. have a power cable, so I can't, I can't turn oh. it on. Like... You get an extra 10 <laughs> frames per second if you've got RGB in there. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Well, let's, let's all pray uh, in the chat that Rowdy gets his power cable next week. But any other yeah, highlights? Or yeah, is that your highlight? Well, let's, let's pray <laughs> that, that, that the PC works, because I still haven't been able to test that's it. That's true. Like, <laughs> the moment of truth. Thing. Like it, maybe maybe like the the CPU doesn't work or the or the RAM doesn't work anymore since it all traveled with me from Belgium. But, so but it's it's not it's not AMD, yeah. right? Or is it? It's Intel. Okay. Okay. Wait, well, you have Good thermal building. paste, right? Just tell me you use thermal paste in your build. Good what is that? Mayonnaise. Right. <laughs> 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 all right. Yuppie, yuppie sauce. Basco. Right up. Right then. So uh, our special guest this week. We have a special guest. The man. The myth. The legend, the man behind the voices of VR podcast is Kent By, of course. Thank you for joining us on the show. You're, you're like a seasoned vet on the show now, second time round. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It was a very eventful week uh, with the announcements and news. Uh, so I, I spent a lot of time kind of tracking the news on Twitter, uh, engaging with folks. Uh, and then uh, some folks started to come forward and kind of share more context and information as to their experiences with Facebook. And so I did a interview with Anton Hand uh, as just talking about why he's no longer decided to uh, engage with Facebook. Well, this was a while ago he decided that. And then um, big screen VR's Darshan, who did a Twitter thread saying that he had been experiencing what could presumably be some level of anti-competitive type of behavior from Facebook. And so it was a pretty explosive type of claims. And so I had him on the podcast to be able to elaborate on that as well. So that was a lot of what I was doing this week. Um, but there's also 
uh, game-wise, I was playing some Tetris Effect. This I've been playing it almost every day since it came out. Nice. Doing the the master mode, uh, and I got up to 158 lines. That's SS ranking Whoa. on on oh. master mode. So that's like uh, accomplishment. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I would say the other. Did you share that on your Facebook account? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. I did take a photo. I could. <laughs> but um, yeah, the other thing that I would just want to throw out there and give a shout out to uh, Burning Man and VR, Black Rock City VR and Alt Space. Uh, mm -hmm. This year, and uh, Burning Man is going to be all digital, all virtual. There's going to be eight official. Uh, Ver Burning Man experiences that are all going to be digital. Mm. One of them is VR specific, which is an alt space. And they're going to have, I think, anywhere between 100 to 120 different worlds wow. that are going to be wow. created there. And they mm. have about 30 of them that are already already available. If you enable the world's beta on alt space, you can go in and look at uh, BC VR or Black Rock City uh, VR and be able to kind of explore around some of the different worlds mm. they have. So I got a tour from some of the creators of that. And uh, it's just really exciting to see, like, uh, starting on August 30th, I think for like nine or 10 days or so, they're going to have Burning Man. So they have this virtual Burning Man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going to attend virtual Burning Man. Oh, so this has been made by the community then? Yeah, there's right? there anybody, there's different people that normally would be doing the build out during this week and they've been uh, doing what they would normally be building. Some of them have translated those digital objects into like architectural temples and, you know, different uh, art cars, different, you know, UFO dance clubs. It's like this whole... Uh, Thing where a lot of the events that would normally be happening at Burning Man are also going to be happening in the virtual Burning Man. With I think mm. the interesting thing for me is that it's not just going to be only VR people. It's going to be a lot of people who this could be their first VR experience, and it's going to be like just going to Burning Man and kind of running in and talking to people. So I'm planning. I'm looking forward to doing that when that opens up on the 30th. Remind nice, me, and that's strictly... an alt space, right? It's an alt space VR. Yeah. Okay, is this cool. strictly vir is this strictly virtual or is it does it have a you know a two D app as well? I'm trying to remember. If all yeah, it has, yeah, it has yeah. it has a two D app. Yeah, so if you don't have VR, you can also go and and get access to it as well. And there's other experiences. I think some of the other uh, seven other major platforms may also have some VR components as well. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there'll be lots of different events that are happening there, though. By the way, cool. did you know about Tetris Effect getting a multiplayer? I saw that, yeah, and it's going to be on Xbox, but um, I don't have Xbox, and it's going to be launched sometime later. But when I play Tetris Effect, I like to just kind of like, I don't know, I play a very specific mode of the the master mode, which is not about getting, like, Tetris. It's just like, can you have the twitch effects of, of actually completing lines in a, an impossible speed? That's what I like. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna recommend an app. You just said Burning Man. Ayahuasca VR. You should try oh, yeah. check that out. Have you tried no, that I saw before? The, I saw the world premiere at Tribeca a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, that's an amazing experience. I really like that. Awesome. And just to sort of loop around again, like I listened to the uh, the interviews uh, that you did with Darshan and Anton uh, both this morning, actually, and they're excellent. And it gives you a really interesting insight. And, you know, especially if you've been enjoying the show recently where we've had devs on and you kind of get that dev insight. You'll really enjoy uh, the Voices of VR podcast, uh, particularly these two episodes that really give you an insight behind the scenes of like the devs and their perspectives, particularly around the changes uh, recently uh, in relation to the like Facebook accounts. Um, so wh where's the best place that people can go and check out this content? Uh, VoicesofVR.com is where that's at. And it's on a lot of the different podcast readers. I'm not on Spotify yet. Um, but uh, Or you can follow me on Twitter at Kent Buy. I'll usually link stuff off there. But... Um, 
whatever your favorite podcaster, uh, reader, uh, listener is, you can usually search for Voices of VR and it comes up. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go check it out. And I'm looking forward to talking to Ken later on in the show when we discuss uh, this obviously new uh, news about this Facebook uh, account requirement later on. Uh, but first, uh, my name is Mike, if you don't know who I am. And uh, before I get into what I played this week uh, and my highlight, let's uh, see what the chat have been up to, because they've always got some interesting suggestions as well. Yes. So Watto UK has been playing Elite Dangerous and Assetto Corsa in VR. And uh, most of the week was uh, Flight Simulator 2020. Even though it's not in VR yet, people have been playing it like like crazy. Um, and the first uh, thing he did was uh, trying to find his house like everyone else pretty much who bought it as far as I know. Um, or, in my case, I would go to Disneyland. Fun, mm. fun, fun. Um, then we have Pat who played 2MD uh, VR football. That's, that's, that's a classic. It's a um, weird one. It, that's like the touch, it's a, it's a touch football game. Very bizarre. Quite fun. Uh, but like you wouldn't play yeah. it more than 20, 30 minutes, I think. <laughs> Yes, uh, then we have Mark who also played Flight Simulator, uh, VTOL, Project Cars 2, Onward, Pro, uh, Pot, and also a Quiver. Wow, that's, that's, that's a combination of some games. Uh, and then the last person that I have in my list is Mini, Mini Pimmer. I don't know what, what that means, but uh, um, he has been playing Onward and uh, uh, he says that he's uh, learning the patience of, of playing co-op in a team full of screaming children. And then saying, please don't stab each other. Oh, no. So there you go. You've got to school these people. You know, they're not know, at school, yeah. so you've got to school Especially them. Especially now NBL. the Quest community is joining in. This is, this is what mm. happens, you know? Yeah. So uh, my highlight this week has also been uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I've been playing it a, a fair amount uh, you since it house? came out. I did go to my house. Yeah, that, I think, you know, I think that is, you're Impressive. right. It's one of the first things you have to do. <laughs> Um, I didn't play it in VR, of course, because, you know, as we know, the VR support isn't available right now. Yeah. Uh, it will be coming later uh, in an update in the fall for all Windows Mixed Reality headsets, and then support for other VR headsets will be coming later after that. Um, but I kind of just wanted to get in there and get a feel for it and also get some practice in before the VR update. I also did a little live stream this week, which was a lot of fun as well, because I was just learning the ropes and just like learning how to fly whilst I was live streaming with everyone. And they were kind of like my virtual passengers. So that was kind of fun. A lot of people saying, do loop the loops, do barrel rolls, crash into your house and stuff like that. <laughs> so it, was, it ended up being a really fun stream. And it's the first time I've ever streamed like a, a flat game before. So that was a kind oh, of an interesting experience. Um, pretty much the same as like pilot school then, loop the loop, crash into your house, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Proper exactly. legit simulation there. Yeah. Exactly. But, but, but if you look at like the graphics, the visuals, you can use your imagination and just know how good it's going to look in VR. Graphically, this game is absolutely breathtaking. Like when you're in the air and you're over your hometown and you're looking down at, you know, real life satellite data of, you know, the streets that you know uh, from above, it is, it is absolutely amazing. And it's one of those rare games that I actually had to pull up my in-laws and my wife and just say, look, I know you hate games and you're not interested in games, but you need to look at this because this is kind of incredible. This is my job. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, my job. Care, please. So yeah, like when you when you when you're on the ground, you know, when you if you have to have to crash land on a road or something like that, it, it does look rough and the cars look really strange and they float sometimes. But in the sky, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, but what I found really good about this is that they've managed to scale it from being very accessible for newcomers like me, all the way up to like hardcore flight enthusiasts who really know how to fly like a seven eight seven Airbus or whatever it's called. Um, 
And I think that's amazing that you can toggle it so easily and kind of really just get into it on the ground level and then work your way up. And then, you know, next thing you know, you'll be downloading flight manuals of real life planes to like, you know, learn how to fly these things. So that's pretty incredible. Um, but one thing I found was that using a, a flight stick like a HOTAS, uh, you know, I use the Thrustmaster T16 thousand m flight stick and throttle and that was a really really great uh feeling you know using those in combination with the you know playing the game because I, I did try it on an xbox controller but having that tactile feeling just improves the experience exponentially so i can't wait to see what that feels like in vr um but yeah i would say that if you if you want to go check it out before the vr update uh maybe go and check it out on xbox game pass particularly if you're like me and this is maybe your first foray into flight sims uh, because you can play it for uh, pay by paying just like four ninety nine a month for an Xbox Game Pass, mm. and you can play the game. So Whereas I think, try. <clears throat> yeah, the cheapest uh, uh, version on Steam is like sixty bucks. So you know you get a year's worth of Xbox Game Pass for that. So it would be worthwhile checking it out that way. I think. Mm. Okay. Just while uh, we're on yeah. that, is there anything else on Xbox Game Pass that is uh, particularly good? Uh, oh yeah, know, VR you, content. I, don't, uh, I mean, not, like, there's things like Sea of Thieves and stuff on there that I would thumb up. But is there anything that's VR wise? That's not like, VR. So no, you've got like Gears, Gears Five, um, mm. Gears Tactics, uh, which are great games. Age of Empires, Orion, Orion, the Will of the Wisps, uh, and Orion mm. the Blind Forest. Amazing games. I love. Um, is Bioshock in there too? Don't think so. No. So you're getting a lot of pancake games, obviously, but not 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 much VR content on there. But it is the cheapest store. way in, yeah. And, and oftentimes that kind of taster method is, is smart. I do think mm. the visuals in the game look really good. But so what I've seen it, across so many streams, though, Mike, and I, I'm hearing from chat that your PC almost exploded, is that <laughs> performance is looking like you're going to need quite a beast to run this thing in VR. Oh, yes. I, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Um, like I said, the game did crash, I think, maybe twice uh, during the stream. Um, and the frame rate, although it was consistent, it's relatively low. I think it was about 30 frames per second. Everything was pretty cranked up pretty high. Um, and that was on a 1440p monitor. Um, so in VR, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. You're really going to have to crank down the, the visual settings, I think. But I think regardless of that, it's still going to be amazing. One eye or something. <laughs> one eye? <laughs> still going to be an amazing experience, I think. So, so when is the VR support coming in? I read something about fall, right? Is that still yeah. kind of the plan? So fall for Windows MR and then later for all other Steam VR compatible headsets. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's my highlight oh, yeah, of the week. No Man's Sky is that not on the on Game Pass? It might well be. Like, it might well be actually. Might well be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. I think someone uh, mentioned that when we discussed this on the show before that you could use the VR support from that from the Windows. Uh, store version and still use Steam VR, strangely enough, to play the game in virtual reality. Yeah, so yeah, good little someone, shout from the chat there. Someone in the chat is asking, when is fall? Yeah, that's what we were also wondering about the quest uh, once. So I did look this up. It's something like between uh, the 22nd of September to the end of December. So it's, it's quite, it's quite a. <laughs> oh, so the last day? Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, we got it. Quite a big window there. So any time between was, that. There was one thing chat were saying to me earlier about the whole Burning Man piece. They were saying that Altspace's uh, 2D app is no longer available. Do you guys know that to be true? Oh, so I do know that the on PC, the desktop version works fine. Uh, I don't know about the app on your phone or is it the app on what? What are we talking about? What app? I yeah, think I think they were talking the... about some kind of because there was a there was an experimental kind of tablet app, I think, at one stage. But oh, okay. like you, if I'm using Altspace, it's usually through the kind of PC yeah. interface, which has it's like two D kind of like it, rec room. 
It is cross-platform. I think it's one of the only platforms out there who yeah. supports most headsets, and you can just meet up with different, like, expensive or cheap headsets. Mm. And I had one question on that for Kent before we move. Um, do you know if the Burning Man, like, is it going to be, like, all these different experiences that are running concurrently um, during during that period? <clears throat> yeah, some of them Some of them you can actually go check out right now. You can go to uh, en enable the beta worlds and go to like the third page and you'll see the BC VR uh, or Black Rock City BRC VR. Um, and it's going to be like uh, 10 days or so where all this stuff is happening. And some of them are going to have like talks and DJs and dances and stuff. Just like the regular Burning Man will have different events. I think that there's going to be eight total different platforms and the, the Black Rock City and Altspace it's going to be one of those eight. And within that one, they're going to have anywhere from 100 to 120 different worlds that you go in there and there's a portal to go into these other just entire self-contained worlds that um, have around 16 megabytes uh, limit for what kind of stuff you can have there to be mobile friendly. But you'll see stuff like the temple and the architecture and art cars and dance clubs. And, you know, there's there's going to be camps. Like usually there's a bunch of camps at Burning Man and those same camps have decided to choose one of these eight different worlds to build mm. out and to have different experiences. And so Altspace is probably going to be one of the most that has the most type of like inherent social VR interactions. Well, that's why that's I was wondering about it because I was wondering um, how they were going to control uh, forking people off into different, um, uh, different worlds and that kind of at the same time. Yeah. If it's, if it's kind of, it's a music festival, there's art with it. It's kind of like museum of other realities kind of all mixed together. So if you want to surf that wave, I'm kind of curious in terms it, of, and I'll look this up later, the timing of it, where the crowd is likely to be. Is there an agenda? Those those are the questions really that I'm, me, I'm kind of floating it, at the moment. The thing that the there's a front row system for alt space, which means that it allows to do instancing. So you have like one thing that happens and then there's multiple instances. And it has been an issue with events within Microsoft where you like you go to an event and you, maybe you try to go to your friend and you're in different instances so there is a way to friend people and you can go and visit your friend. And then when you vi visit your friend that way, you'll be put into the same instance as long as that instance isn't already filled. The other challenge is that some of the worlds are so huge that even if you did try to meet up with your friend, it would be just like being at Burning Man where yeah. you're at the same place, but you still can't find them because some of the worlds are <laughs> like almost to scale model where they've built out like the whole camps and everything where you can walk around and stuff. So, yeah, mm. I mean, I'm really curious to see how it, and I, I hear rumors that, that Microsoft themselves may have their own camp. So it'd be worth checking out, like wow. and going to see if you can hang out with Alex Kipman and just seeing, you know, what type of other, you know, push to the cutting edge, what type of stuff is there. Uh, there's also a Get Social um, uh, camp that I'm looking forward to hanging out at. A lot of people that are from the Altspace community have built their camp. So just to kind of hang out with the people that have spent a lot of time in Altspace. Maybe you should have a camp too. Maybe, Yeah. <laughs> F reality camp, yeah. F camp. But let's get into some news then. Um, the first bit of news this week is that the Oculus Rift S actually got an update, which is pretty Whoa. incredible. <laughs> I know, it's actually newsworthy that when this happens. Um, don't get too excited though. Uh, we, we still don't have like hand tracking support or a lot of the newer features which have been released on the Quest, and I doubt we'll, we'll ever get them again uh, at this point. Um, but it does have some interesting things. Um, the update this week, which marks update 20, includes enhanced rendering stability for Rift S to improve head tracking. Um, not that I ever found the head tracking to be bad in any way on the Rift S. No. I think the Oculus Insight system is, is, is really impressive. But I guess any improvements are always welcome. 
But probably the most interesting thing about this update is that they've added image stabilization, um, which you can enable using Oculus Mirror. And this is be this will be particularly useful for us as content creators, or if you're a content creator out there, or you're a developer sharing any sort of footage from your game. Now, this enhancement is used to eliminate head roll uh, when looking around in VR whilst capturing gameplay. So the, the player will be able to roll the head around and go crazy, whereas the footage itself of the gameplay will be completely stabilized and won't roll. Um, so for all intents and purposes, it will almost look like a 2D game. You know, uh, that's how it's being played. And I actually tried this out uh, playing some Beat Saber this week uh, to capture for a video for just for some background footage. And it actually works incredibly well. I thought it was really, really impressive. And especially for something that we've been fighting for for so long, you know, to uh, get a better tools to capture VR gameplay. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's really great that they finally uh, got something like this implemented. Uh, although, you know, with the Rift platform, you know, we need it for other yeah, platforms well, as well now. Mike, um, how, does, how does this, what's the interface like? Is it just the Oculus debug tool? It's just a selector there or some other It's way actually a, a drop-down selector in the Oculus Mirror. So you open Oculus Mirror, you click in the top left corner, you've got a menu where you can choose your eye output capture, um, whether you include notifications and stuff like that, and then you can enable uh, image stabilization and it will just completely stabilize it. You just got to be aware that it is, and, and it's quite performance hungry. You just got to be aware no, of that. I was, I, was, I was about to ask, what is the hit on like performance? Pretty... Do, you, do you know in like CPU usage maybe for um, you how much? Uh, you, I, I didn't you, notice so much. I didn't, I didn't actually look at like the... Um, you know the performance it at the depends time depends on what you play i guess as well like beat saber should be fine but if you like, let's say for example like rec room has also like a camera tool like i don't know i never really got like a stable frame rate on that because it's you have so many it, multiplayer people in there and it's like rendering so many things at the same time yeah so, and yeah depends. i was definitely dropping frames on beat saber but then i had increased the field of view as well so um yeah. i need to play around with it more but i think certainly if you're a content creator or you you capture any form of VR gameplay, then it's worth playing around with, particularly it's, on the Oculus platform. So, it's so, it like the, it's so weird. Like as you said, there are almost no updates. Then you finally do an update, and it's for this. I mean, I'm happy with it as a content creator, but there are also users who bought your product. So, but that, that, there's stability updates as well. So, uh, the yeah, chat okay, was asking but... earlier, like, what does this mean? So, it's essentially locking the horizon. So, if yes. you, if you were to roll your head left or right, the video yes. output remains fixed. So yes. Mike can be going like he can be doing the whole um, oh shoot what's it called the uh, the <laughs> night, night of the Roxbury he can be doing yeah. night of the Roxbury and you just see basically a steady cam instead yeah exactly yeah and it, it looks so smooth and you know it's clear that they've used this technique to capture like Beat Saber trailers and stuff like that and that's where yeah. you know when you watch the footage you're like holy crap this is like super super smooth and the thing is like as content creators like Nathie will attest to this that you know we try and make a concerted effort when we record VR gameplay content mm -hmm. to not move our head and to almost fix much. it in place yeah. because we, we're conscious of like the viewer being comfortable to watch yeah. the experience because some people can get motion sick just by watching first-person gameplay that's out of their control so, yeah, so uh, tools like to this will definitely make things easier yeah we are the smooth camera we are the field of view too but with that it's like <laughs> yeah. you don't need to worry so much about it you can focus more on, on the gameplay uh, itself but yeah as you said uh, I, I i i still hope well hope i don't even know if there's still hope for rift s but uh they should still give it like the updates it deserves, but uh, yeah, I know. I, you know, I think it's unlikely at this point, but you know, it's still a, it's still a good headset for what it is, I think. But you know, 
the quest has surpassed it in every way, shape, or form. I have a funny feeling. I have a funny feeling that at Connect Seven, they're just gonna pull the shuffle and uh, bury it under under the ground. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But I would say that you know, if you're not on the Oculus platform and you still want features like this, go and check out Live because they've implemented something similar for Steam VR users. Although it is dependent on uh, game support, whereas this is more of a universal tool on, on the Oculus platform. But definitely something I want to experiment with more, and yeah. certainly with first-person shooters like Contractors and stuff like so that, I want to play. This works with Oculus and this works with Steam too. So let's say if I use my Oculus Rift on Steam, can I still use the Oculus Mirror? Or yes. No? Yes. No. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. yes. Yeah. So everything's Sweet. through uh, Oculus Mirror, which will be universal as long as you're using uh, a Rift okay. headset. Yeah. Uh, so that is uh, that. Next bit of news is about Hitman 3. We've got some good news and bad news, so brace yourselves. <laughs> uh, we talked about Hitman 3 on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Hitman 3, of course, is getting PSVR support, where you're going to be able to play the entire Hitman uh, trilogy in virtual reality, which is super exciting, I think, and it's going to be releasing in January next year. Now, one of the things we were unsure of at the time, and we still don't know right now, is whether the game will release on PS4 and then have an upgraded version for the PS5, uh, or whether the VR support is just going to be backwards compatible on ps5 we, we still don't know any of those details yet um but some details have surfaced uh and this is through the developers io interactive i always think it's funny because it's ioi <laughs> anyway um <laughs> yeah but they hosted uh, an ama on the uh, playstation vr subreddit uh, a week ago and one of the really surprising things to come out of the ama is that the game won't be using motion controls and they're going to be using the dualshock controller instead did you guys oh know about this? Did you read this? God. Did you hear about this? I, yeah. I saw it last week in chat being mentioned by some people. Okay. Um, so I, I, di I didn't know back then what, what if that was really the case or they were still like contemplating that that was going to be, you know, yeah. maybe yes, maybe no. It seems pretty set uh, in stone. Um, this is exactly what they said wording-wise uh, in the post. They said, the current version of the game is not using move controllers, it's using the DualShock. We are, however, utilizing motion control tracking and the gyro in the DS4 to the max. There are many reasons for there are sorry there are many reasons for us ending on this decision, uh, but to be honest, we think that we have found a perfect fit for the game through this hybrid control scheme. Reason is disagree. I disagree. Reason. The re I, 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 I can't imagine playing a Hitman without motion <laughs> controllers uh, on a game like that unless they go for like the static model. I'm gonna be like you know, cuffed the entire time and I need to like get my way around with, that. With, but yeah. you can't do an entire game. Like static. That. Yeah, static the game. So it's you that mean the game, you, yeah. or Astrobot, I suppose. Well, Both are, of those yeah, are that's brilliantly done. Yeah, yeah. Well, but if if this is, if these are the facts, then I can can better play Hitman Go and have still more fun. Um, but <sighs> the thing is, the reason why is because if you want to implement motion controllers, it takes more time, it takes more money, and this is cheaper. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not what they're saying. They're no, saying they're this not is saying the perfect anything. fits. We have or reasons for it. Is Maybe they don't want people, you know, <laughs> actively on video garroting people, you know, with full motion control support. It might be a PR problem, but it's got to be. I, I'm more with Nadia. I think it's the support cost. It's the additional yeah. man hours that went it's, into the development. You'd have I mean, to take that full double or triple A game and, and reverse engineer, well, you know, some of those sequences to, to suit this, where instead you can just be single pipeline with the gamepad. Well, the complicated. It does honestly make me far less excited about the game, though. Yeah, I think that's like, fair. Far less. It's yeah, just fair. it's 2020. Like you know, with Resident Evil, they could get away with it, but I feel like this year you can't pull that trick anymore with a gamepad. Mm. I just, I'm sure a lot of people are still gonna play it, and I still want to try it. But I mean. It's I, think, I, I think that's a good point. You know, controls. like uh, Resident Evil 7 was another PSVR title that used this 
same control scheme. They used the, the DS4. Yeah. They they never implemented motion controls. No. And the problem was um, it never came to PC either. However, mm. however, this is maybe some good news, but maybe also some bad news oh. as well. Okay. Um, Hitman 3 will be coming to PC. Um, it's going to be coming to PC in January. However, it's going to be PC. an Epic Store exclusive title. Oh, and no. they've not mentioned anything about the VR support. And the problem that I foresee is that if they're implementing motion controls using the DS4, which is obviously tracked using PSVR camera, mm. we don't have an equivalent on the PC platform to utilize some of these movements. So I'm almost convinced in my mind at this point that we won't get VR support on the PC. Yeah. I don't know how you every, guys feel every, about every, that. Everyone, everyone who's listening, ask Tim Sweeney, please, about the VR support. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's just it's, it's not a VR game anymore. It's it's a game where you where you play through a, a virtual reality cinema kind of thing from a first person view. You might as well be playing it in Vorpex almost, you know. Yeah, that's it's the same thing about it. Like I found this cool, like you know, back when VR came out. But now I think there's so many other things that I've experienced that are so much better. Maybe of a of a lower quality standard of like not AAA title, but. It honestly doesn't make me very excited. I, I don't see myself playing this game in virtual reality more than I would play it on a regular screen now. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a hard it's a hard line to take. I think I think what Nathy said about the 2020 point uh, and and Rowdy's point, kind of the time has run out. Even for me, like I, I was a guy who was totally happy with a gamepad yeah, yeah. or mouse and keyboard and Subnautica yeah. or you know even that support for Skyrim and these other kind of classic titles. But it's just there's so much expectation out there now. And I honestly think that kind of the tetherless freedoms with the quest have spoiled a lot of people to just I just want to I want to play my game in a comfortable way, sitting down, whatever, you know, and the same thing. The same thing is true here. You want the motion controls or support. Now, they haven't written it off completely from what I've read, but out the gates and given that that's, you know, next the beginning of next year. Like Rowdy, I you know it definitely takes a bit of the wind out of the sails for me. Well, also, another option could be if um, if the hardware, the the new PlayStation VR two hardware is already kind of circling around uh, at Dev Studios, it could be that they are just you know um, ditching the first one. Like okay, let's not get into that anymore and make it ready for the next generation. Uh, that could also be a possibility. But mm. I don't know. It feels like they're just you know uh, uh, wanting to make some extra money. And it's not necessarily. Uh, it didn't We're really just seem to be a big deal. You know, the water's a little bit again. Like yeah, yeah. you know, seeing what the interest yeah. is. Uh, how many people want to try that VR mode? Yeah. How many of their people are interested in that franchise? Well, if you test the waters, at least do it with motion controls. But as Mike said, uh, <laughs> if 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 there like if there were motion controllers, then we could have had them on PC too. But it yeah. feels like that's completely locked down on that gamepad, and I don't think they're gonna make something on the side. Yeah, um, like there, you know, this isn't uh, definite. And, no. you know, there, there are still, you know, a few months to go uh, until release. So things could change, but certainly that's what it looks like uh, right now. So I just thought right. I'd let you know what the situation no, was. No excuses anymore. Yeah. You know, you can't have those excuses anymore. Take its closest compare, closest cousin, right? Covert Phantom Ops, right? Think if you played Covert Phantom Ops with a gamepad, how excited would you be to pay that price for that game? This is a full, full price game as well. This is not mm. going to be 20 quid. So... Mm. Would you buy it at that price, knowing that it's just gamepad? But it, most people are going to play it are are just going to play it pancake, so it's not really a big deal to them. But I think it's a shame. And don't get me wrong, I I do think that you know the motion controls on Hitman are probably one of the hardest ones to do, exactly because of the reason that there's so you know so much hand motion going on. But like to have no uh, uh, motion controller support at all, I I just find I mean if No Man's Sky did it, 
uh, on, a, on a free update, yeah. then I think a AAA title like Hitman should be able to like you know bring something apparently, to the table. As apparently, well. they think they can get away with it, but uh, it's just money-wise, this was cheaper to make because you have to rebuild the whole thing yeah. for some motion control. VR is very small for against their market. Yeah. It's the same thing. They, 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 they can handle games. it. They can handle this. It's fine. It's, it's not going to really. Uh, we should them. applaud it anyway, right? Like we should applaud it for <laughs> know, what it true. is. It's VR support yeah. for a mega game, massive title. I just hope that. And this is the this is back to the old poisoning the well thing of I hope that someone doesn't, you know, go out, buy a PSVR for the VR support, and then they're they're on a gamepad yeah. and they get that experience instead of maybe That's something true. richer. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that IOI had the best hardware and software. Apparently, uh, you know, things have been going on in the Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think we're all you know, we're all gonna play it still, uh, and then we'll we'll let you know what it's like. Uh, and if we have any more information in the meantime, we'll obviously keep you updated. But that certainly seems what the situation is right now. So some good yeah, news and some you, bad Mike. news. Thank you, Mike, for ruining this whole uh, <laughs> Sorry. It was, uh, this was the last thing I was excited about this year. You yeah. know? Now it's like F twenty twenty. I feel sure. like I feel like I've been the bearer of bad news all week this week. Yeah, so Mike, apologies. Mike, Mike. I don't I don't relish in this job, trust me, sometimes. Um but the final bit of news this week uh, may, might be exciting for some of you out there that uh were around uh, in the early nineties and trying out some sort of retro <gasps> VR machines like the virtuality. Any of you guys tried the virtuality in the past? Mm. I remember no. in Alaska being in a mall when I was 10 and trying one of these VR things. I think it was like a dactyl nightmare or something. I don't know what it was, but yeah. yeah. No, same same here. You know, I was I was really young. Uh, I remember being at uh, London's Trocadero and I remember seeing it for the first time. Trocadero. And uh, I, I didn't actually get to play the game, but the guy let me sort of put the headset on and just have a little look. Oh, um, wow. And it was very basic with like polygonal shapes and like single color textures and stuff. It looked awful but kind of blow your your mind back then you know um yeah. where did all of that stuff I'm kind of go wondering I don't, it, like there's some people that are rebuilding them actually there's a little uh, oh, there's yeah. a really dedicated retro vr community that that buy these scrapped machines that's, and are kind of reviving them it's awesome um but yeah this is kind of interesting because um this was reported by rota vr uh who uh, confirmed it with the company uh called virtuosity tech uh, because they bought the, the the licenses for a lot of these games and, and technology, and they've basically confirmed that the comp- the company intends to bring back some of the classics from the virtuality systems <laughs> to modern VR headsets. Now, oh, right now we're unsure about what platforms exactly these <laughs> retro VR games are going to come to. They they could easily run Does the it quest matter because they're bad anyways, right? I mean, well, yeah, you've got a very good point that they are bad. Um, and it we seems don't know if they're like, bad. That we know that the frame rate and everything would make people sick potentially because it was not really running at a great. Oh good yeah, clip. But like I I don't know if we could say that they're bad. You haven't played them, so that's true. Well, okay, I, I've okay, played okay. I've played sure. one of them. I've played one of them since, like a remake of Dactyl Nightmare. Um, yeah. you, and and if you're interested, by the way, you can go and check out the free remake of Dactyl Nightmare, which was one of the virtuality sort of you know system like flagship games where basically you wow. get uh hunted by a, pe- <laughs> a pterodactyl <laughs> basically <laughs> you can shoot another player it's like multiple like as well. this week mike sounds a lot and, like this week <laughs> and then basically <laughs> this pterodactyl will come from the sky and pick you up and it actually what? lifts you up in the air and oh, you actually God. get taken out by the air which is really intense <laughs> really? in vr dude yeah. dude there was another experience on oculus share where you could jump from 90s vr to vr in 2015 and you could see the difference it was right. really cool you were sitting in this room and you just switched like you pressed like uh, on your keyboard like a certain uh key and then yeah. you switched and you could see the field of view and everything and also yeah. the frame rate that was really cool 
So Those I think I kind of imagine now like little Mike playing that in his bedroom, but he still is like bald and has like a beard. Like it's a really weird image here. It's, it's kind of nice just to go back and just see how far we've come. You know, like 30 years, a lot has changed since then. But um, it seems that they're going to try and bundle all these classics together in one game pack, you know, like, a, yeah. like an ultimate classic bundle or something. And here's some of the classic games. So Dactyl Nightmare is one of them. Uh, you've got Buggy Ball, Ghost Train, Missile Command, Virtuality Boxing, Zone Hunter, Pac-Man VR, Extreme Strike, and Shoot for Loot. <laughs> you know what's funny about these names? That's what most of the games nowadays are also called in the VR. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, you know, sometimes it's nice just to go back and just reflect on how far we've come, but also maybe, you know, get that nostalgia of maybe a simpler time, maybe even a more optimistic time for virtual reality <laughs> back then as well. Optimistic. Um, you want to go back to that time? Optimistic. Well, maybe. I think everyone was a bit more optimistic about how things would change, you know, go in the future, but yeah. Are they so, also yeah. going to remake the treadmill thing? Because uh, that would be like fantastic. Well, it was like a, a thing that wrapped around you and it had like a, a magnetic tracking system for the controller oh. and the ring. It was it was really, really unusual Holy tech, crap. but um, never dude, really I'm took from, off. Dude, I'm from 94. I have no idea what you guys are talking about here. I, say, I, yeah. I, I did a video about it a long, long time ago, all about virtuality and uh, how they were sort of like doing stuff in arcades. And I remember seeing them on like TV shows like Games Master where they would do competitions and stuff, but oh, they kind man. of went by the wayside when VR kind of really crashed and burned uh, in, in oh. the sort of mid 90s. So. I should totally hunt oh, one back down. when Matthew was minus 12, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, seriously, if the pandemic uh, will be over at some point in time, whenever that will be, then I will definitely hunt one down and try it. Try it. And, try and, uh, it. And, and see in the meantime, try it. out the free uh, Dactyl Nightmare remake. Oh, yeah. Polygon Nightmare available Sounds... for. <laughs> Like a pleasure for you guys. It's free on the Oculus Store on the Ooh. Rift platform, um, so you can get picked up by a pterodactyl and uh, and dropped. Uh, which Sounds is kind of fantastic, Mike. Sounds fantastic. So that is that. That is all the news. Well, we've kind of blitzed through the news very quickly this week because you know we've got obviously uh, an important thing to talk about this week, uh, and this is why you know we got Kent on the show as well because like Kent's got a really unique perspective about uh, particularly about Facebook uh, and their privacy policies and i think you know it'll be really insightful to have his opinion on a lot of the stuff that's going on right now so thank you again for joining us ken and i appreciate you taking your time out of the day to to talk about this but let's get into uh the the hot topic this week and that is that uh, a facebook account will be required uh for oculus vr headsets moving forward and what i'll do is i'll i'll go through word by word the policy changes and then we can kind of like talk about it from there so listen up Starting from October 2020, everyone using an Oculus device for the first time will need to log in with a Facebook account. So this is all new users that have never created an Oculus ID before and are coming into the VR ecosystem or the Oculus VR ecosystem for the first time. They will have no choice, but they'll have to log in to either that be a Rift, a Quest or whatever the next headset will be with a Facebook account for the first time. Then you've got, if you're an existing user, and you already have an Oculus account, which many of us do, you will have the option to log in with a Facebook account and then merge your Oculus and Facebook accounts together. Okay, so you've already got an Oculus ID, you've already enjoyed your quest, you have the option to merge your Facebook account with your Oculus ID. If you're an existing user and you choose not to merge your accounts, you can continue using your Oculus ID for two more years. After January 1st, 2023, Oculus will end support for all Oculus ID accounts. If you choose not to merge your accounts at that time, you can continue to use your existing device, 
but full functionality will require a Facebook account. Oculus will take steps to allow you to keep using content that you have purchased, though some games and apps may no longer work. This could be because they require a Facebook account or because a developer has chosen to no longer support the app or game you purchased. So that basically includes every one of us at this point. You know, we've all got Oculus IDs. Some of us may have linked our, our Facebook account. Some of us may not. We can continue not linking a Facebook account up until January 1st, 2023. But mm. after that point, online functionality is pretty much going to be non-existent without a Facebook account. Yeah. Well, funny enough, it already is, right? I mean, if you want to use your Quest at this point, it's almost unusable without a Facebook account. You can't add any friends. You can't accept any friends. You can't yeah. invite them for a game. You can't record on the device. You can't really do much. So you're buying a headset with just a store that you can play games on and the rest is all locked behind a Facebook account already. So yeah. and do you have one... a choice? I don't know. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. It strikes me as so blatantly Facebook style where it's like, hey, you know, here's the gentle approach, which is like the first six months of this option. And then in comes the, you yeah. know, forced approach. So one but thing, the problem one, with but, that is but, a little bit that... Before we get into ahead, like uh, the discussion, there is one more really important point that I just want to mention, which is part of the policy. Uh -oh. uh, and, and this is uh, about future. So basically they say all future Oculus devices from this point will require a Facebook account, regardless of whether you've already got an established Oculus ID or not. So just hypothetically, and to make it crystal clear for everyone, say us we all want to use our Oculus ID and we're like, okay, we'll just use it for another two more years. Mm -hmm. Say we want the brand new Oculus Quest or whatever the next headset is that gets unveiled yeah. in a few weeks time or Oculus Connect or whatever. You have to log in using a Facebook account using that device. So if you're upgrading, you have no choice, basically. Um, and I think that's an important and, and, point and, to note. Huh. Yeah, exactly. And, and the problem I have a little bit is that, um, you know, back in the day when Facebook bought Oculus and Paul Malucky was still a spokesperson, uh, I remember him saying specifically that you would not need a Facebook account in order to log in. And I think that is a little bit the thing that is aggravating a lot of people, and mm -hmm. which is a little bit, of course, a mixed signal. And what I think is, is this now is that Facebook sees its position so strongly in the market now um, that it can actually push forward this kind of stuff because they know that they, they, they definitely did the balance. You know, they knew that a lot of people get pissed off about this. Mm -hmm. But they also know that they have a very strong position in the market. So they did the balance between those two and they, they said our position in the market is strong enough in order to push this through now as well. They, they have a monopoly. And I think that is worrying. They have a monopoly on, on PC VR and also standalone, especially standalone, because the Quest is the only consumer standalone headset you can buy. On the PC VR side, you could still buy something else, but those uh, headsets are usually more expensive. So price-wise, they have a monopoly. They yeah, don't have a monopoly. What do you, have a monopoly wait, wait. For sure. You said they have a monopoly on PC. I don't think that's true. What do you mean? On, on PC VR, on price, price-wise, headset price. On headset price. Well, uh, yeah. well, there's other competitors on PC VR. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're a monopoly there, but um, but I think the concern here, and, and Palmer Lucky did actually post to Reddit. I don't know if people fo uh, if folks saw that on the thread. Yeah, yeah exactly. And he went through the things that he had said. He says, I guarantee you, you won't need to log into your Facebook account every time you want to use the Oculus Rift. You will not need a Facebook account to use or develop for the Rift. Nope, that would be lame. I promise. And he said, he says actually kind of interesting. He says, um, you know, I want to make clear that those promises were approved by Facebook in that moment and in, and in an ongoing basis. 
and I really believed it would continue to be the case for a variety of reasons. In hindsight, the downvotes from people with more real-world experience than me were definitely justified. Yeah. So there's a bit of you know Palmer uh, mm. speaking on his own behalf on on behalf of the company, but yet there there seems to be well there's a number of different strategies that Facebook has taken with social VR, and for whatever reason, probably a number of different reasons, but for whatever reason, all the different social VR apps that that Facebook has tried have mm. not been successful. Um, it mm. could be because of this fragmentation between having separate IDs and, you know, a big part of what they say they want to do is to, you know, create more coherent social VR experiences with chats, user and developer created events, live streaming, sharing to groups and parties. You know, this is all the stuff that from a technological point of view, they're going to help resolve some of the tension with getting into VR and connecting with your friends and doing it through the Facebook API. The issue that I have is that forcing people to use a Facebook account means that you now have to abide by the Facebook terms of service and their privacy policies, mm. which are actually a lot have a lot more latitude for tracking what you're doing as an individual when you're not even in VR, when you're not even on the website. It's all of your off-world activities, all your purchases, everything you're doing. It's like the, the, the amount of data that they're collecting on you on third-party brokers is huge. Yeah. And so... For me, there's this underlying. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's a good point because what you're saying now is like, and, and I agree with that as well. Like, it's it's not the login that is the problem; it is where you log into, right? It's it's the data that well, they're collecting on the, no, on the if Facebook. You, if platform. you have a Facebook account, you have to sign the privacy policy, meaning yeah. that even if you're not logged in, even if you don't even use Facebook ever, yeah. all of your purchases you make, uh, uh, if you have a mortgage, uh, what your what kind of games you're playing, like. Every app has a terms of service and privacy policy, and they're basically seizing all your data. And then in that privacy policy, they also say, we're going to make that data available to third parties, meaning that there's all these other entities that are out there that are selling data to Facebook that are aggregating all this information. And so mm -hmm. what this means from a kind of an underlying level is that we're moving into a future where all this information of what we're doing in VR and out of VR is sort of being put into this giant surveillance capitalism machine. Mm. And for me, the most worrying thing is that the way that the existing Oculus privacy policy is written is that everything you say or do or look at within VR could be recorded and used to be able to create psychographic profiles of you. Um, it's, 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 there's a, a way in which a lot of this stuff is phrased in which it's, these are the ways that we're going to record this information in order to protect you for your safety and security. But at the same time, that same data could be used to surveil you and to track exactly. everything that you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. it's and because they're sort of unifying everything within Facebook, Facebook already has a giant surveillance capitalism machine. It's basically any sort of appearance of any separation between what Oculus was as a separate entity and now has literally functionally dissolved. Um, one of the things that was not included in the original FAQ on the original day, but was published a day later because there was a technical glitch where it wasn't posted. But uh, Oculus was originally Oculus with Oculus... Um, uh, Oculus uh, VR LLC, that was dissolved on September 4, 2018. It then became Facebook Technologies. Facebook Technologies was everything that was run under the auspices of VR. It was basically Oculus VR LLC became Facebook Technologies. Well, according to the announcement, as soon as in October 2020, Facebook Technologies will no longer exist and everything's going to be under Facebook Inc., so there's literally no differentiation between Facebook and Oculus anymore. There's no psychological difference. There's no legal difference. No. And I don't even know what that means with the privacy policies because 
they said they're changing the privacy policy, but they haven't released it yet. There's, so they're saying the, we're we're making lots of changes, and they, we're not going to show you until October. So after it's not we're not going to actually see the privacy policy until after they've announced everything, presumably whenever uh, Oculus Connect Seven is. So they're making a whole bunch of significant changes, not making any anybody available to for interviews or any questions, saying this is a decision that's been made. It's immutable. This is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Uh, it's not open for discussion or for debate. This is where we're going. Um, and <laughs> we'll make all the news and then we'll talk and, about and it. Would you expect, but so there's a, mm -hmm. there's a massive cost for compliance with changes like the California laws, GDPR, a number of different pieces of heavy legislation that have been basically a gun pointed directly at Facebook. This move to me, uh, helps to resolve that in the Oculus quadrant because if they can merge their privacy policies, it's it's in the direction of their business, uh, I think, as, as you've mentioned before. But it also means they don't go have to go and rework what they've done, pay all the teams in every country to reassess that, and, and they're unifying. And that has a major cost benefit to them in terms of the cost of compliance to local laws and regulations. So I think that could be driving in part part of this decision where it comes to Oculus as Oculus is clearly growing and with the Quest sales, um, you know, instead of doing that work twice or three times, I mean, they've got so many companies now um, that are umbrellaed under Facebook, but I'm really, I, I, I wanted to ask kind of a specific question. Um, aside from the, the points that you've just made, Kent, uh, in terms of, in particular, the two interviews, and I want to, again, redirect, like Mike said, I, I spent the three hours to listen to both of those with Anton and with Darshan. Um, is there anything that you took from those conversations specifically, like something that was a, a surprise to you or uh, a point of view that really kind of like a tuning fork, you know, resonated with you and you thought coming away from those conversations with those gentlemen um, oh, this is this is something that Facebook is clearly doing, or you know, your your mentality about the whole change shifted a little bit. Well, the the challenge with this topic is that Facebook is saying something, and then they're doing something, and then there's their behaviors that we're not saying that they're doing, yeah. and to to extrapolate what their true intentions are is near impossible because there's usually a mismatch between what they say they want to do and what they're actually doing. And so, for Darshan's example. It was like they want to cultivate a developer ecosystem, but at the same time of cultivating a developer ecosystem, that cultivation of developer ecosystem, there's certain aspects of that ecosystem that Facebook wants to completely dominate, own, and control completely. And so there's some anti-competitive behaviors that are there that are maybe driving that, like, if you're doing games, great, that's fine. You know, we're, you're not gonna have any problem, but if you're doing any sort of like business applications or you know, big screen social VR apps or media consumption, like big screen is trying to sell movie tickets, but because Facebook wants to do that, then Darshan has to give 60 to 80% to the content creators. And then on top of that, 30% to Facebook because he's using the payment processing system, which means that he's actually taking a loss for every movie ticket that he sells. And Facebook's just like, well, you should just change your business model. And he's like, well, <laughs> Facebook is like, so Facebook is essentially saying, if you want to do media consumption, it's we're going to make it literally impossible for you to do that because it's not financially viable for anybody other than Facebook to do that. Yeah, and so there's right. enti entire industries that Facebook is potentially uh, limiting because they want to do that and they're not going to allow other independent developers. And so whether that's, 
you know, rejecting people from the app store or kind of giving the runaround or having these uh, non-negotiable policies that kind of make it impossible for certain industries to flourish. So there's this kind of control aspect at there. And, and from Anton, you know, Anton is somebody who has for a long time taken a very ideological stance of saying, I'm not going to deal with Facebook at all. And it's like a very extreme position. And so from Anton's perspective, he's saying like, assuming the very worst possible scenario for who Facebook is and what they're doing. And then there's the most charitable interpretations uh, that is like, okay, here's the most exalted ways that, you know, this is just, they're trying to just, you know, run a business. And th there's a lot of pragmatism that comes into this. They have to pay for VR, all this investment. And so for me, it's a challenge to say, okay, like Facebook are doing these things. Like they're saying they want to do these social features, but is it really just to kind of like turn VR into the worst surveillance capitalism machine that ever existed? And the, the issue that I have is that there's no transparency or accountability to, to, to know whether or not that's actually happening or not, according to the yeah, privacy that, policy. That's actually a great point. Yeah. And I, I think that was one of the is things... Because I agree with that. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things I highlighted as well, is that, you know, the information came out, it was very blunt and to the point, and didn't really give any explanation as to why this is so important or why we should care as consumers moving forward. And this is where I said, and we've mentioned it on the show many times before, is that, you know, having a, a front person, a, a face of the company that can deliver these important updates in a clear and transparent way to negate any confusion or, or misunderstanding is so important. But it seems that they just don't do that. You know, they don't have this one person that the community can link to to say, oh, OK, I, I, I understand what's going on. They've explained the rationale behind burnt it. By that. Like, I, I mean, especially with the Oculus history, I mean, they had Palmer in that yeah, seat for exactly. a time. And then that bit him in the ass hard on several occasions where Palmer, mm. you know, well, look at this right now with his comments again being, I suppose, you know, you've, you've that, that's the, different. There's not like, a single person that you can now like flaunt all your anger to. There is no single person like that. So it's it's very hard now for a, from a consumer perspective to or from a from, from a professional perspective to find that person in order to connect to just like like ken said it's so hard to to get someone to talk to because there's not a single person out there and that's exactly what they want i assume well the, so facebook as an entity i don't know if people are aware of this but mark zuckerberg has a majority share of facebook meaning he has the most amount of votes it's a basically a totalitarian dictatorship where one person has control over the entire future of that company um, and there's certain shareholder ways in that they're trying to like fight that but that type of top-down authoritarian, totalitarian command and control style is a part of the cultural DNA of the company, meaning that things come down and they kind of have these different levels in which uh, decisions are made. So what I got from Darshan is that even though he was you know, talking to the developer relations people and the developer relations people were kind of like um, have their hands tied in terms of how much they can actually uh, change things because it's a decision that's been made up at a much higher level that's kind of saying, okay, this is the way that things are going to be. We're not going to change on this policy where, um, and it's a policy where if you look at what's happening with uh, the iOS and Android um, and Tim Sweeney on this uh, lawsuit yeah. that he's bringing forward uh, against Apple saying that like, this is a, essentially a functional monopoly where you have complete control of what can and cannot exist on the Apple store. And he's trying to invoke the Sherman Act of 1890 in the United States saying that this is anti-competitive monopolistic behavior yeah. and that he's, you know, did this kind of performative action to get the, to bring about this lawsuit. But, you know, we'll see what that what happens with that lawsuit to see if Epic Games is able to actually break up this app store monopoly. But if you look at how the the web has developed, it's, it was an open platform. And then once mobile phone came along, then you have the app store model saying that, like, 
these app stores are going to own and control to be able to, to filter what can and cannot be on there. And then by the way, any transactions that happen in that platform, we're gonna take a 20% mm -hmm. cut. And when I talked to Chris Pruitt, he's the head of the content ecosystem. He's like, we're using that app store model essentially. Like they're seeing how much of a financial boon that can be to be able to own all commerce and interactions that happen on that app store model. They're mm -hmm. looking to see what has happened with the mobile phones. And they wanna take that same app store model and port it over into VR where they're like any sort of commerce or transactions that happen. So, you know, it was one of the things that Darshan said, like e-commerce or stores, you know, that would potentially threaten that type of app store model or what happened with the, the, uh, the stream link from Guy Goodwin, which was the uh, virtual desktop, being able mm. to stream a game that was paid on a, on a app store that was not the app store that was being controlled by Oculus, that would sort of be undermining kind of the existential threat of having complete control and what Darshan said is that, you know, Apple often say that this is due to privacy and security, that we can't have people that are coming in the back end and, and having control of the pixels on your screen because we, we don't have the ability to have any oversight over that. But what that also means is that you can't functionally have any sort of competing ways in which people are having to buy things. And so to have like this stream link to be able to stream your, your, uh, your, your uh, games that were bought through Steam onto your Quest is like this existential threat. And so... He Goodwin mm. had to take that feature and put it into SideQuest and separate mm. it off so that people could still have access to it. Um, but th th that, those types of features are, are also being rejected. So we kind of mm. see a similarity of what's happening in the App Store model, the same thing that's happening here at Oculus. But, but one question is, like, um, most people, I would say, are fairly fine with the Apple App Store model. Um, but the response from the community has been overwhelmingly negative about this move in particular and um, why do you think that is like why do you think the community are so so upset about it um you know is this is it just because it is facebook do you think that they're so upset or do you think you know like i, I sort of said that you know the hardcore vr community are upset because they feel like facebook have gone back on their word and, and broken a promise that that palmer promised you know six seven years ago why do you think people are so upset is it because of you know facebook's track record of like handling data that they're so upset or or is it something else? Well, well, first I would say there's there is a valid argument that people can make that saying it's Facebook. Oculus has already been owned by by Facebook. You know, everything in the privacy policy is going to be the same. Like, I'm not a lawyer, and so I don't know, and I haven't seen the new privacy policy, so I don't know exactly what the new shift is going to imply. Uh, but at least from the impression is that Facebook, as an entity, has had a terrible public relations in terms of what's happening with hate speech, what's happening with like you know, uh, the hijacking of democracy, the Cambridge Analytical scandal, the ways in which that, you know, suicide's going up, uh, the, the ways in which that they try to hijack your attention and to keep you locked into just uh, kind of mindlessly scrolling onto Facebook. And the more that you do that, the more money that they make. But there's also the aspect mm -hmm. of the surveillance capitalism, which is that not only the stuff that you're doing, but there's like, there's like Facebook pixels that are tracking you, uh, what you're looking at on the websites. So even if you're not uh, looking at stuff, even if you don't have an account, there's ways that they're fingerprinting you to be able to determine what device you are. Even if you're using the most sophisticated VPNs, there's ways that you can do different fingerprinting and to kind of extrapolate your identity. So they have this big giant machine that is pulling in all this information on you. And that is Facebook's business model, the, that surveillance capitalism. And so and when I, you I, say, we're gonna hmm. like take VR, and now all of a sudden we're gonna be putting it into this basis of surveillance capitalism, on top of all the other things that Facebook has done with terms of undermining democracy to 
sort of filter bubble aspects, the uh, the genocide in Myanmar, where they're sort of like people were sort of actively inflaming the, the hate speech. You know, there's all sorts of ways in which Facebook is way too big. They're trying to do too many things for too many people. They don't have the people that are experts at each of these different communities they're involved with. And the result has been sometimes when you have these unfiltered platforms for people to be able to spread fake news and disinformation, it actually sort of undermine, undermines the fabric of democracy. So it, when you take Facebook and all the issues that they have with that global scale of billions of people, and now you're sort of taking all that baggage and saying, now we're going to like completely tie that into VR. So if people may have had some sort of psychological or physical distance between still using VR because that's separated, that separation has now functionally been dissolved. And you know, there's some people that literally can't have associated with whatever they work in education, the privacy laws in the EU. Uh, what's it mean if you have a, a Facebook account? I mean, there's there's ways in which that this decision actively prevents a lot of people from being able to even use the technology because they they have all these other issues with privacy aspects, whether mm -hmm. it's education and therapy and doctors and whatnot. And there's enterprise that is not changed. Like there's still ways, but there's like a two and a half. It's like a thousand dollars per headset. But even and, to get that. And Go, so, go anyway, on, go right. on. That's, that's an overlap. Yeah, overview. sure. Yeah, I, I got like I got like two questions. First off, I think that you perfectly illustrated like you know why people uh, should care about that. Uh, the first question I had was, is is that maybe the difference between, for example, Facebook collecting data and because almost all companies collect data to some form of uh, some format, but is the difference between Facebook and those other companies just like the extent to what they collect data? And the second question I had was, like, um, could you maybe like draw a worst case scenario for like the average <laughs> Joe, just to yeah. just to get people to understand why it is important? Yeah. Um, okay. That you care about the privacy so, of your data because I have a lot of data. Right. A lot of people telling okay. me saying like, oh, I, I don't do anything wrong. Here, I I don't care what they do with my data. Here here's an example. Why is that important? Here's an example that yeah. I think it kind of grounds it. Um, so Facebook has a real name policy. That means if you have an account on Facebook, that means you have to, in some cases, submit a government ID in order to prove what your real identity is. So Facebook is going to have your actual identity tied to you as an individual. Now that there's ways in which that, that information could be potentially separated. But if you, if there's a real name policy and let's say that you're in VR and that you're someone who's transgendered and you've changed and your sex is different than you're presenting, but maybe what if that's illegal and where you live, like let's say Russia, um, that type of information could potentially, based upon the default settings of Facebook, be automatically broadcasting out your actual identity to be able to tie your identity to what's happening. But also just, I mean, this is, and that could be then potentially submitted to the government. Well, there's, there's ways in which that you could use biometric data to be able to track what you're looking at, like say eye tracking data. You could determine someone's sexual preferences by what you're looking at and what you're paying attention to. And if that is being tied to your actual identity, in the United States, there's something called the third party doctrine, which means it's the, it's the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment is preventing unreasonable search and seizure. Well, according to US law right now, there's a third party doctrine that means that any information you give to a third party is, is no longer reasonable, has no reasonable expectation to remain private. That means that the US government can go to Facebook without a warrant and get all that information. So imagine a, like a, a government who has authoritarian, totalitarian impulses, wants to get all the information that you've looked at, what your emotional profile is, what you've done in VR for the last 10 years. And, and now all of a sudden the government has access to that information. 
and they want and they what if the government want disagrees with what you say and they want to frame or do whatever else to blackmail you or you know in some cases it, it's illegal to have certain sexual identities in some countries and so you could literally go to jail and you lose your life mm. so it that's sort of like the most extreme example but i think at the most a more mundane level it's the fact that what we do and say and what we're looking at and what we're experiencing in vr should be ephemeral it, not, it should not be surveilled it should not be recorded it should not be on our public record and when everything is being surveilled and tracked all the time that prevents you from actually expressing your full in the united states first amendment rights of free speech because if you know you're being watched then you don't know who's listening and you don't know where that's going to end up and so it actually stifles the the freedom of expression because you're being watched and in my talk with uh darshan and big screen big screen has like a peer-to-peer -peer encryption right and so there's certain aspects of like Part of the reason why Big Screen is so successful is because it's private. It has like architects for privacy where you know that you can be like talking to your friend without necessarily being surveilled. Unless you're, you know, caveat is unless you're using Facebook technologies, which at the operating system level, they could potentially turn on that mic and listen into whatever you're saying. Um, and all of this is uh, in the privacy policy for them to be able to do that. And when I talked to them a couple of years ago, it was like for Oculus venues, as an example, you'd be able to kind of record what you say and do in order to potentially uh, fight harassment, stop. It's like a safety and security issue that you could like prevent spaces so that you need to be able to have access to record what you say and do. But if you have access to what you say and record and do, and that's in the privacy policy, it's not determining what context under which they're able to do that. And if they change that context, I mean, even if it's um, not being done today, they could start recording tomorrow and there's no obligation for them to tell you what the recording, what the context is, in some cases for you to, to have full access to that. So that's sort of like a broad, like there's a lot of like dimensions there of, of how this could go horribly wrong. The biggest thing for me mm -hmm. is that the third party doctrine means that all information that's shared with the third party is essentially public, meaning that the government can have access to it without uh, a warrant. And that it's, it basically creates all these situations where everything you're saying and doing could end up into the hands of a, like you know some some surveillance state big brother i mean it's it's the and if you compare that for example to the to the privacy policy of like hp reverb or the hc vive or valve index like do you have any any knowledge about like how they do it there about the data collection and the selling to third parties a, a lot of the uh the facebook is the most uh, explicit that they're doing this the other ones are are don't have necessarily like they're not ad driven models so like microsoft for example they're they have pretty strong like you know they're not like necessarily recording this but uh i'm just going to read this little passage so uh because this is what the facebook privacy policy says that they're able to do so information from third partner uh partners these partners so the people from the outside third parties are providing information about your activities off of facebook including information about your device websites that you visit Purchases, the, purchases, the, purchases that you make, ads that you see. So just out there on the web, what ads are you seeing? Like not even on Facebook site, but other ads that other people are serving to you and how you use their services, whether or not, whether or not you have a Facebook account or are logged into Facebook. And so, uh, so they're receiving information about your online and offline activities and purchases from third-party data providers who have the rights to provide you with your information. Now, you may be making a, a, a purchase, uh, but you don't know that because you're making that purchase, you've signed a terms of service. That means that that purchase can then be sold to Facebook. And Facebook is mm -hmm. dealing with all these data brokers to be able to aggregate all this information into one place. So all of your... Yeah. And 
all your information is, is designed to create a psychographic profile so that they can sell ads for you. But if you, for example, look at the at the Steam policy, like the the kind of data that they collect there, I don't know if you if, if you are familiar with that, but I just looked it up. But they also collect, for example, just the general basic account data, the transaction payment data on Steam, other data that you explicitly submit. Uh, but they also do like um, uh, wait, they do tracking data and cookies as well, where they have cookies that are text files, of course, that are placed on your computer that they collect as well. And what they do with that kind of data is um, wait, let me check. Um, so they do not sell the personal data, but they do provide access to the category that they collect as necessary following business purposes. So is that maybe where the, where the difference is between like, for example, a company like Facebook and a company like, like Valve or, St or Steam in that specific sense? I think the, the difference, uh, the, we haven't, first of all, we haven't seen what the new policy is for uh, mm. Oculus. So they haven't shown it to us. So that for me is actually one of the more concerning things is that they're saying they're changing it, but they're not showing it to us. So people like myself could read it and say, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, I suspect that it's actually going to be even more stuff being recorded based upon what new announcements are being made. And maybe they don't want to sort of tip people off about what it is. But the difference, I think, is that, you know, if you look through the privacy policy, it's, it's to sell ads to you. And what what that means is that they're they're watching and tracking your activity. Um, there's a, a, free, a frequently asked questions that Facebook posted and there's this question I just want to read through the answer because I think it's pretty striking. It says, can I choose to not share information about my VR activity with other Facebook apps and technologies? And the answer is no. Even if you don't log into your Oculus device using your Facebook account, we will use your VR information to create a consistent and safer experience across Facebook apps and technologies. For example, taking action on an Oculus account if it's flagged for spam or abuse. So again, they're sort of saying, oh, this is for your safety, but... They're like your activity, your VR, your VR activity. Like, what does that mean? Your VR activity. That is like, they can see all the pixels. They can see what you're looking at. They can look at what's happening. And it's the way that the privacy policy is written is that they can basically capture all of that. They can know your entire context and know what's happening mm. in your virtual world. But, and there's no option to not have them track it and use that to be able to psychographically profile but, it. But is, is, is this also the reason why their headsets are becoming cheaper and cheaper? Oh, absolutely. Because I in mean, the end you pay with your data. And, and so so the, the let's say the price itself is pretty low. Yeah, that's one of the things Darshan said is that these, these Quest headsets are heavily subsidized by this. So of course, they're, yeah. that's their model, right? But that's the whole point. Like, the, this is my this is my main point of contention with the excitement over this announcement, is how did people not realize what they were getting into if they were getting into bed with an entity like Facebook? I mean, unless you joined the show, so to speak, back with the DK one, then Facebook was part of it, and the device you were buying uh, was owned I, and operated by I, Facebook. And it's like I, I think I don't I understand. Like, what is what is the surprise factor in this beyond, let's say, what Palmer had stated for someone who had bought a device on the premise that I'll never have to get a Facebook account and hence then maybe be protected from the tracking that Kent's just described. I, I don't but for me, it's like that, that turning point was when we heard the announcement prior to the DK2 being shipped that Facebook had bought Oculus. And it's like at that stage, you decide... <laughs> Like either you're in or you're out, and this is only what was expected. So I, I don't really understand why so many people are as hot as on this topic as they are beyond the concerns that a corporation, any corporation, to Rowdy's point, 
um, would be manipulating this data. And I think that's where yeah. regulators come in and they should govern this and space exactly, appropriately. Because I, I looked at the HP Reaver privacy policy as well and I, I brought it up here as well. And there they specifically stated they, they may use the information they have collected from, uh, from, from yourself to enable us to display advertisements to our advertisers' target audiences or from us. And that's a similar kind of model as what Facebook is doing as well, that they use, you know, information, they collect information in order to sell that information to their advertisers so they can do more targeted ads. That's if I'm if I'm correct, that's kind of like what they what they do. But is it then like like I said before, is it the extent of the data that Facebook collects, not only from virtual reality, but also from your Facebook profile, your general website activity? That they just have that enormous, like you say, machine that is just pouring in data, pouring in data that all those other companies don't have access to. Yeah, I think that's an important point that, you know, having a Facebook account meanings, means that you sign to the Facebook terms of service and privacy policy, which, as I said, is a lot larger it, in any sort of yeah. psychological and legal and privacy policy difference has now evaporated. So if people have opted out of wanting to be having all of your activities tracked and watched, then you were to you had the option to not have a Facebook account, but I think this is forcing people back in who have made maybe decisions to not have a Facebook account for these other reasons. Maybe it's political or these other things, but it's um, and my my problem is that it they haven't necessarily even made anybody available to talk about this. It's like yeah. this is a decision that that's is indeed the problem. It, this is a decision that's made. There's it's immutable. It's it's mm. like it's happening, but we're not even going to talk about it. And it's like mm. wow, okay, like. This is a huge issue and people, if you look at the ratios for the announcement, it was, I think around 86% of the people had retweeted it with a comment. So not just retweeted, but like 80%, 86% of the people were like, had some issue enough about it to say something about it. Usually they were disagreeing with it. So it's not a popular decision. And the fact that they didn't even make anybody available to even speak about it or to explain it or to say, you know, no, no, we're, we're not going to. That's not even the norm, though, Kent, is it? I mean, like, you expect a company to kind of come to the public and ask them, you know, where they're going to turn their corporate (laughs) strategy? Like, is that the norm? I I really am asking this from a point of, you know, from what I've seen in the sector, that isn't the norm. But if you look at what Val, I'm talking to to Anton, he said that in his relations with Valve, you know, they invited him up to go try out some of the Valve Index to get feedback, to take, you know, insight, you know, they're actively engaged with cultivating a developer ecosystem. And they're Mm -hmm. in conversation and in dialogue with their community. And Facebook is just simply not in dialogue with the community. Decisions are made and they're sort of thrust upon us. And that, that's, that's the issue that I think it's like, it's not, whether or not this benefits the community and whether or not it's going to help there, there, there could be a lot of amazing social applications that are enabled with this, that we have up to this Mm. point, never seen before that this new change is going to enable. Mm. But I think it's more of the top down, like not being engaged. And I think if you're trying to cultivate a developer ecosystem, then there's a lot of people that this changes a lot of things from either their community, from their business plans, if they're working in education as an example or mm-hmm. whatever, it's it's like there's a lot of these different implications that without talking to people about it and giving mm-hmm. the heads up, there's no way for people to dis, to to even hear about stuff that they haven't even thought about. Yeah. That, that is a style choice though. I mean, like I would say though, though from what Anton described, it is consistent with my interactions with Oculus and Facebook over the last say three years. Um, you know, not not ga- gathering a crowd around. And I'm talking, 
from the developers I've spoken with. I know you've had a very broad array of interviews. I think you were saying about 1,500 or so. Um, some of those will be obviously developers and some of them will have spoken, I'm sure, off the record about some of this stuff. But the point is, uh, I think I see, I see that as a style choice um, and I think a company can can operate that way. My biggest concern here, and you touched on it earlier, Kent, is we've been talking about where the Quest particularly is in the market and where Oculus are with their hardware and software. They've they've arguably got the best hardware and software products years ahead of the competition. They've got it at the best price, which I think we all acknowledge you're getting that best price because you're selling your data or they're selling your data. You know? um, well, wait, just so a clarification. Model, just a clarification, they're not selling your data to other people. They've been clear that all the data they're collecting, they're they're making them available for ads to come in to be sold for you. So that's yeah. that's well, different I, than being at, a data broker. So I just want to make that That's true. That no, that's that's indeed that's a big difference. The meta because they don't share the data, they, they they let you buy an ad and they target the audience, <laughs> yeah. right? But then then the stuff comes in like you were talking about the Cambridge Analytica piece, and I'm trying to remember the great documentary I watched that totally flipped my mind on all of mm -hmm. that. The Great Hack. Uh, the Great Hack, yeah, which is available on Netflix uh, if you've got Netflix. Um, and that is, like, what those practices are, I think, in terms of um, mentality manipulation, should should be illegal. And I think the regulators haven't caught up with that yet. I think that even the massive case justice cases that we've seen in, in a variety of countries, but obviously targeting uh, the likes of Facebook, Google, Twitter, and, and, and others... Like that, that, that movement is coming, but as we've seen it, it's really slow. And I think the U.S. isn't helped out by its current leadership at the moment because like there's so much chaos happening in that sphere, let alone 2020, that unfortunately companies can kind of get away with what they want to do. And I think this is just another example of that. This is another one of those, like while the chaos is happening, while the hurricane's blowing, you know, we'll do what we want to do in a couple of years, they'll get caught up with and maybe they'll get a slap on the wrist or told not to operate that way. I'm not, a ha I'm not happy with the change, um, but at the same time, I, I, I think it's kind of expected behavior is, uh, is where I'm sitting on it. You know what I think? It's, it's a shame that this divides the VR community, and it might also divide it continent-wise, because in Europe we have different laws in terms of you know, privacy. So that will also be interesting to see where can we still you know, uh, play with other people? Can we still communicate on the way, like the way we did it? I, I don't know. Mm. Um, they already aligned though, Nathan, just so that you're aware. So like GDPR, which is the primary data regulation in the EU in the last like four years, uh, Facebook had to globally align to that and evidence that to the European regulators. So they were one of the main targets of that legislation that came in. Mm. And I say that from yeah, a point I, of understanding just, it in detail. I, like, uh, with VR, we're going to have eye tracking. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. So data will have a total yeah. new level of, and that's where things yeah. are going to change. Yeah. Um, so, so Kent, you said like, so the policy, you can't get into it right now. You can't see what they're up to. Uh, do you think well, they're the, the changes? They, they, you have the existing policy, but the changes have yeah, not the been. Changes. No, 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 the changes. We haven't seen yeah, the changes so, yet. Yeah. So the changes. Do you think they're gonna kind of wait it out until Oculus Connect Seven? Like we all know, a new headset is gonna drop. Is that the moment, or are you just gonna kind of do it in between the pages and then? No. <laughs> I no. think it, I think they're gonna make all their announcements sometime in Oculus Connect, presumably sometime mm -hmm. in September, which is usually what's happened. Mm -hmm. But they're not gonna show us the privacy policy until October. 
So it, to me, that's just like. But okay. that's weird because you're selling a new headset. So if you make those changes, like those are important changes. Why why do you sell something new? But I, I then... think it's because most people wouldn't necessarily go that far to look into like exactly. who reads the small no, print. Exactly. But that's no, the, no, and no, I think no, that's the you point. Still, you need to the, the the legal side of this is you need to share that policy when you present to a user the user agreement that they then sign up to for access to the device. So when you're when you're presenting the new device, when no one's got it. They don't need to share it at that point. And they'll probably still no, but, go through legal they, revisions before at that they, stage. Before they launched their previous privacy policies, they gave me an opportunity to look at it. Interesting. Um, okay. So it doesn't, it did, there's no reason why they can't share it with me unless there's still changes that are being made. Whatever, there, maybe there's still, mm. there could be legitimate reasons for why they're sharing it, but that's a decision they've made to not share it. And, and maybe not, just, there's no just other legal like, reason balance things out a little bit because we've we've heard about like you know um some of the, like the, the worst case scenarios here and i know you're an optimist and i'm an optimist as well ken um but do you see any like positives coming out of this like in your mind is there something good that can can come out of this and and make all this kind of justified well i mean if you look through the the post that uh facebook has announced for why they say they're doing this it's through chats and chats with friends user development, created events, organized tournaments, multiplayer games, live streaming. So share your game with your Facebook timeline, sharing to groups, post to VR related Facebook groups under your VR username, parties, create open parties to meet up with your friends in VR. I think generally it's just like trying to lower the friction for how to meet up in VR. I think it's yeah. like, if you want to just like jump into a VR experience, it's a, it's kind of like this meta like lobby area where it's just like, it's so hard to, to kind of just meet up with your friends in VR. So like, there's a good chance that this is going to make that easier. Um, I think and yeah, just, and certainly yeah. from and that's probably their intention. Yeah. But like, but like to be fair, like the like the intention is indeed to do something you know that would not brand their company as like this evil corporation that is going to take over the world, right? They're not gonna that that's not. I mean, that might happen. I'm not saying that that you know is not something that could roll into it. But the intention is there to do something that is positive. That is the reason why this is happening. Well, we correct? don't, I, I'm just going to ca put a caveat on there because Facebook's a big mm -hmm. entity and there's business intentions and the, there's user intentions and, correct. and we yeah, don't actually, and we don't actually know the full intentions. Um, there's a great mm -hmm. clip of uh, a lawyer who was, uh, in like, uh, during, uh, testimony was, was a grilling, um, I think her last name was Porter and she's asking Mark Zuckerberg a question. She's like, do you care about privacy? And Mark Zuckerberg's like, yes, of course we do. And she's like, why are you arguing in case that because people signed a terms of service and privacy policy, they've waived their rights to privacy and they have no uh, ability to be able to sue the government because of this uh, privacy breach. If you really cared about privacy, then your actions in federal court would be telling a different story. So your actions of what you're saying you're doing is different than your behaviors of how you're acting in federal court. So can you resolve for mm -hmm. me why what you're saying to me, what you believe in and what you're doing in federal court, why there's a disconnect. And mm -hmm. I think that's always yeah. the difficulty with a big company like this is that mm -hmm. they'll, they'll have the story for why they're doing it, but then there's sort of deeper layers that we can't see that are obfuscated mm. that maybe are driving yeah, different yeah, behaviors. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's in the conversation I had with Darshan. What I got was that there are certain aspects of the VR ecosystem that Facebook wants to completely own and control and dominate. And that any independent developer that is encroaching on those areas They'll find all sorts of ways to just reject them from the app store, to not give them support, or to just actively potentially even surveil what they're doing and clone their features and, and kind of this really uh, anti-competitive type of behaviors that Darshan is sort of alleging that he's experiencing with big screen. And so mm -hmm. it, 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 there's... So, so can, let me ask you then, like, like, just imagine we have 
2 million viewers right now over virtual reality users and they all want to know what is the next step that we should do you know what, what would you recommend people uh to do like what, what how do we go forward from this well so lawrence lessig has the pale dot theory saying that there's four major areas where you can sort of bring about different change one is the law and the legal aspect so there's certainly different legal aspects that need to be changed in terms of the third party doctrine and you know that may result in a court case that's going to the Supreme Court and then you know having a different interpretation that would allow certain amounts of information to remain private. So like in the Carpenter case, um, there was like cell phone tracking data. Uh, so there needs to be like a new interpretation of the third party doctrine. So that's in the legal side, uh, but there's also in the legal side, there's no universal right to privacy in the United States. It's all sort of like, there's no sort of, it's all just like up to the companies to innovate and push forward. And it's up to like, you, other states to be able to like the European Union to be able to like fight back, but to have like transparency of what's recorded. Um, the other sort of legal thing I'd say uh, is that there's a legal term of uh, personally identifiable information, PII, and there's going to be some aspects of your biometric data that can be extrapolated to be able to create a fingerprint for who you are. Yep. So there's de-identified data that is going to be recorded on you that Facebook isn't say, well, there's no PII here, but actually when you take it in aggregate is going to be actually a pretty significant biometric fingerprint that is going to be information. So that's, that's on the legal side. There's the market side, which is that if you don't want to support Facebook and their entities, use something else. Um, but that, that's a challenge if you want to do standalone VR, because there's actually no economic viable competitors out there. No. And so no. we need like an open source, uh, we need a competitor to be able to, to kind of help weigh some mm. of the different uh, vectors so that there can be market dynamics. The other aspect is culture. So there's information, us just talking about it as a way for people to, to learn about it and to, to know like media aspects. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just, just being in, in the conversation about it and discussing it. Um, so what do you get the, the law, the economics, the culture, and then there's the technological architecture and the code. So to, to build sort of technological alternatives, the challenge, the problem that I have is that there's so many different things like differential privacy, homeomorphic encryption. There's all sorts of things that Facebook could be doing if they really wanted to like build a privacy first architecture, but they're not, they're not sort of implementing all these things because they want to tie all that information to your identity. So there's certain aspects of, of the technological decisions and the architecture layer, whether it's differential privacy uh, or homeomorphic encryption, all these mm. different things like decent, like the way that Darshan's doing with like peer to peer encrypted, uh, like where there's no way that anybody could listen into what you're saying, you know, that, that Facebook has fa uh, faced uh, feed, uh, pushback from legislators because um, WhatsApp has these different aspects of encryption and like, are you enabling like bad behavior with terrorism and, you know, like basically money laundering or child pornography? Like when you offer that level of privacy, you also have safety and security mm -hmm. trade-offs. And so there's no kind of perfect solution. Um, and so, but they've, they're on one extreme where there's absolutely no privacy. Uh, and, and I would just like to see a little bit more of a balance of some of those or to like, you know, like Darshan, he has opportunities for you to have peer to peer encrypted private, different types of interactions. And so, uh, but those are the four areas, you know, the, the culture talking about it, the, um, you know, the technological architecture and the code, the law, as well as the economics. Yeah, and I, like, I totally agree that yeah, I think, thanks. you know, it's important to talk about it. And one thing, you know, I want to point out is that, you know, um, a lot of the stuff and concerns that you're saying now has been a, a concern prior to this announcement. 
this week, right? Uh, this has been an ongoing concern from your point of view, um, and it's not just because of you know a, a Facebook account is required for this login that all of a sudden we're talking about this. You know, this has been a concern of yours spanning years historically, right? Yeah, the, the issue for me is the biometric data and what that yep. data can tell you about it and what happens to it, what's being recorded and where, it's at, where does it end up? And up to this point, we have literally like no answers as to, to that. And that's been the frustrating thing for that. I've been mm. asking these questions for years and there's been no answers um, for whatever reason. They just, you know, haven't uh, defined that or put a limit to themselves in any way. And yeah. that, that to me is the most concerning thing is that there's all this new potential for what biometric data could do and who owns it and what you do with it. Mm. Facebook has taken this policy of saying, we need to record all this information to know about your room, to be able to like, to make better technologies. So mm. there is a trade-off between they need that information to be able to, to make their technologies better. But at mm. the same time, do they need to record it forever? Do they need to tie it to your identity? Do they need to record your emotional profile? Do they need to record what you're saying? Um, there's all these questions as to what is and is not being recorded, and there's no mm. transparency and no accountability for you in any moment to know what context you're in, to know what is and is not being recorded. Mm. People in Europe have more protections with that, we but at, in GDPR, those protections of GDPR are not universally applied globally. Even a technological architecture it is the, the sort of consequence if the, there's violations, there's no recourse uh, for mm. anywhere other than in Europe. So there's like ways in which things have been built in from an architectural level, but there's no sort of user ways that you can have any transparency or accountability on any of it. And I think I think like one of the, the bigger questions to ask is, does this change anything from your point of view going forward in terms of like, you know, you know, like this this week, you said, you know, you've enjoyed playing Tetris Effect on your quest. Obviously, you've known all this information in the back of your mind going forward, but you still continue to enjoy VR. Is it something that you try to put at the back of your mind or is it something that you're like from here on out, I'm going to boycott it and I'm not going to use it from here on out? Or is it something you're just like, well, you know, although I'm happy to argue about it and, and raise awareness about it, I'm still going to continue enjoying it going forward. Well, I, I love the technology. I'm very passionate about it. I've been talking to hundreds and hundreds of people over the last six years about the ultimate potential of what this can enable. And I still mm. believe that this is like the most transformative technology that's out there. But I also think there's a lot of risks and harms that haven't necessarily been fully talked about. And that's a lot of the work that I'm looking at or the ethical and moral dilemmas that this technology brings up. And my frustration has been up to this point that Facebook has not been showing up to the table to even engage in that dialogue in a public fashion. Now, there mm. was news that came out, a white paper that earlier this year, that they're going to start to do these open sort of sessions with academics to start to you know talk about these issues. But They've just been kind of absent from the conversation to be able to even kind of discuss some of the potential harms and ethical and moral implications that are possible for this technology. Mm. So for me, my, my temperament is that I'm an idealist. I'm an optimist. I just like yeah. believe that this is going to turn out the most exalted potential. And I, and I think I believe in that. And when I talk to someone like Anton Hand, he's like the opposite on the, on the, <laughs> on the temperament. He's like, very cynical and pessimistic and just like, you know, this is all going to burn to hell basically. And like, <laughs> this is like, what do you expect? These are the corporations. And they, it like, it, it's like the most uh, worst case scenario. And you, so yeah. to come together, yeah. I think the answer is somewhere in between that it's yeah. not as good as I want and it's not as bad as Anton yeah. thinks, but it's somewhere in the middle. And, so, and, and I think, and you know, I, like I've got, I've got some good quotes actually from your discussion with uh, Anton uh, and Darshan and the quote from Anton, which I, I, that stood out for me was, and he was talking about the quest in this regard. And he says, I don't care how nice the park is if it's surrounded by landmines. 
And I thought that was a really <laughs> interesting quote. Like, it's... you know, obviously on the on the Steam VR platform, he's you know, shooting himself in the foot in terms of the potential audience he could reach by not bringing the game to the quest, whether it's even technically possible, I have no idea. But, you know, but I get his point, you know, regardless of how nice that extra revenue might be, he doesn't want to be associated with Facebook. And, you know, I can understand. It. It's admirable. Like, I can understand it. I can understand it. For a developer to, to take such a standpoint. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also not only, like, understand a standpoint, you know, the, the guy needs to eat too, huh? You know, yeah. The, He's he's cut, he's cutting out a lot of his costs in order to 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 bring that message. Uh, I think that it's admirable, regarding of whatever you like the game or whatever you like Facebook. Yeah. If someone takes a position I, like I that, think it's respectable. The other interesting point, which was Darshan Darshan made, he was talking about um, Facebook, you know, and their ideal of creating a metaverse, and he said that uh, I think anybody that's guided to own the metaverse will fail if that's their motivation is doomed for failure. Um, which again is an, which, which again is an interesting <laughs> uh, point, you know. But I think you know some things that we should um, highlight are that you know. Hold on, I just want to add one sure. thing on that. Um, so Darshan is driven by passion, and mm. I think that there's certain aspects of what Facebook is doing. He's extrapolating based upon his own experience that Facebook wants to own and control different aspects of the ecosystem. Yeah. So there's this tension between cultivating a developer ecosystem and owning and controlling that ecosystem. And sometimes mm. Facebook is a technology provider where they're just providing a platform for people to build on. And sometimes Facebook is a service and application provider that are building services that are in direct competition with certain people within the developer community. And the thing that's changed this past week, not only just this announcement, but people have been frustrated so much that for the first time they're starting to come forward and, and speak. And yeah. that's new. They're starting yeah. to break that silence and say, these are the frustrations that I've had for many years, and, and they've come to a certain impasse. Yeah. I've, as a, as a, I've gone to all six Oculus Connects. I've done you know, 1,500 interviews, hundreds of conversations with developers. And time and time again, I hear frustrations from people within the community. Sometimes even uh, with Nathy last year, you know, like there's certain aspects of people. Everybody has their laundry list of frustrations with Facebook, mm. but they also have to decide what they're going to publicly talk about and what they're going to privately share with their friends. Mm. And like oftentimes... Those, there's a huge disconnect for what people feel comfortable talking about publicly about mm. their frustrations and their grievances with Facebook. But there was something about this announcement this past week where people feel like now it's safe for them to start to air some of the dirty laundry or the frustrations or some of the kind of like, you know, Greg Foder from Altspace talked about a story where Altspace was in dire straits and was, you know, like needing a lot of help. And if Facebook mm. was trying to really cultivate the developer ecosystem, they would have maybe thought about finding some ways to help out. But they mm. kind of like, led them on to think they were going to help. And then the last moment kind of backed out and then face and alt space basically folded and, and was mm. destroyed. Yeah. And there's like this question, like, well, if Facebook wants themselves to own social, then you can imagine, oh, okay, well, there's this, this kind mm. of conflict between the cultivation and competition mm. aspects. And I think that's what, where if you kind of look at specific developers within the ecosystem and, and listen to what they're saying, then you see where those conflicts arise and that there's mm. some ways in which that Facebook is sort of potentially artificially limiting the type of innovation that can happen in the VR medium because those are plans that Facebook has for themselves that they want to own and control. And so they're potentially, you know, throwing up all these different blocks from other developers that are trying mm. to do that. But that's the, like, that's the core of, of like the VR community itself where like we, we like to talk about problems and then solve them together. And that should be normal, uh, not only on the side where developers talk to each other, but also the hardware manufacturer who makes the hardware that you work with, but also the platform itself that they make.
But like you say, there is no open discussion from from Facebook well, regarding this 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 policy change. No, but, but also if you looked at this week on on Twitter, like Darshan and and also Anton are uh, unique examples. But mm-hmm. not everyone spoke out in the end. Uh, it was a small group in the yeah, end that did it. Yeah, but I think you know you know also we should highlight some some of the good things that the the Oculus and Facebook have done over the years. You know, like without them, we wouldn't be in a situation right now where we have a Quest. You know, uh, a revolutionary device that no one can 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 match. No one can compete with right now. And whether that's a good yeah. thing or a bad thing, you know, they're they're leading the way in terms of this standalone platform. And the amount of sheer investment in terms of research and development, and uh, and, and trying to kickstart an ecosystem as well with funding games is something that we rarely see amongst the other you know VR manufacturers other than Sony. I think you know they they back a lot of uh, of VR games as well. Um, but yeah. we don't see it from HDC. We don't see it from 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 HP. We don't see it from other hardware manufacturers. So I, you know, I think ultimately, whether you like or or you you hate Facebook, you know, we wouldn't be in the situation where right now uh, in VR without them. And I think you know the reason why it drums up so much um, conversation is because a lot of people are super passionate about it. You know, we're passionate about it, and that's why we're talking about it now. And I think you know it, it's important to highlight you know potential negative use cases in the future, yeah. but also how this could potentially send VR into a way more wide, wider adoption, you know, into a market that we've never even seen before in VR. Because right now, you know, exactly. we're enthusiasts and gamers. That's pretty much the VR market. Early adopters, enthusiasts and gamers. And I remember seeing a, a, a YouTube video, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's almost like you need to trample on the, uh, the those enthusiasts to get to the market that you actually want. And I think, you know, to a certain degree, I can see that that's what Facebook are doing. They're, they're not listening to what we want as an enthusiast and a gamer and, a, and an early adopter community. They're reaching for the far greater fruit, which is in the distance. And like you said, by reducing the friction and making this one account that was going to span across a whole uh, series of social apps and experiences in VR, they could be reaching an audience that is far, far greater than we've ever seen before yeah. that, quite frankly, may not even care about these implications or care that the fact that a Facebook account yeah. is required. If, if you if you want to make a cake, sometimes you got to break some legs. Well, I, I think there, there's a there's I, I agree totally with what you're saying, Mike, in terms of like we would it, the, the quest is one of the most amazing engineering feats that I've seen in my life. And it, it's changed my own personal behaviors about how I use VR. And I love it. What I'm afraid of is like this type of utilitarian argument, which is that it's worth mortgaging our privacy forever mm-hmm. to be able to, in the short term, yeah. artificially make something grow that maybe it'll already have its organic growth over time. You're kind of forcing something to grow quickly, but at the same time, kind of forcing users to not have any agency when it comes to how it's being supported through uh, undermining different aspects of our privacy. Um, and I think that's the trade-off here is like how much of our privacy do we want to mortgage to be able to kind of like have VR do more good out in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the the things that are concerning to me are to see the type of potential alleged anti-competitive behavior like Darshan mm. is saying is that there's certain aspects of that market that Facebook wants to completely own and control. And so there's not like market dynamics where there's like a, a number of options. It's it's Facebook's way or no, mm. nothing at all. And there's going to be certain aspects of the VR medium that I would love to see like more of the open platforms develop mm. eventually. But, you know, Neil Trevitt, he says for every successful open standard, there's a proprietary competitor. So you literally can't have like there's a dialectic between the closed and the open. 
and mm-hmm. that this is like pushing forward in the closed and that eventually once we prove out what is possible then that creates a motivation for the open alternative and, and um, this kind of leads me on to a good question then is like um if there was competition you know for like for the quest um who do you think that would come from then um at, at this point in time do you would you have a company in mind that you think okay i, I trust them potentially with you know the similar data set that, that that facebook are collecting i would trust them rather than trust facebook with the same product if you know what i mean like like say for if google made a quest competitor and they no. were side by side one was branded facebook one was branded google would you be like okay i'm happy to go with the google one but not so much the facebook one don't or they have a little bit like a similar problem well yeah, this google, is the question google, i'm asking yeah no google has uh, you know just as worse sort of surveillance capitalism you know yeah like the thing with google is that they have android and they really try to develop you know sort of open ecosystems through like the open web and stuff and so uh but i think you know valve is is somebody who uh doesn't seem to be interested in trying to create a bunch of big surveillance machine. And so I would trust them, but I don't want to just sort of like based upon the name brand of the company, just Mm. put blind trust in anybody. I want to be able to have accountable ways to be able to, to have verifiable trust. And that's the Mm. issue. There's no data sovereignty. Like I don't own my data and that's the issue. There's almost like by putting this thing onto my headset, they're like seizing in the control of my data and I don't have any control over what even happens to that data and how it's used. But and that's, you, that's, that's, that's also the, the case, um, not just in VR, but also across like mobile devices, smart TVs, smart homes, pretty much everything, I think what Ken is trying to say is that we should be careful as enthusiasts yeah. not to go into like the, you know, the end justifies the means, you know, like what we do whatever it takes in order to get that ultimate virtual reality experience. I think... Indeed, you know, maybe sometimes it's it's important to think about like what are the consequences mm. of taking this approach just in general. And I think Anton it, says that, right? Like, I mm. mean, you were talking to him, and I, I thought this was one of the most interesting uh, pieces of that of that uh, of that cast was that Anton, although he is kind of happy to be nailed to his own cross to some extent, he he's not blind to the fact that critical mass is not going to be gathered most likely by people who are boycotting, you know, Facebook's devices now off of this. And it was funny because when I listened to that, I thought back to myself and I thought, if they had launched a product, you know, even a year or two ago that did what the Oculus Quest did, but it was called the Facebook Quest, I probably wouldn't have bought it. Um, And it's funny because it's exactly what you said there is that it's not just the name. Facebook is just one entity and we've seen their track record and they're not unique in in a kind of a, a landmine filled track record and history. And the problem I think here is at the moment where law stands at the minute uh, with data control, like you said, there's too much span for abuse without the required uh, restrictions in place to help control that. And I'm glad that here in Europe, we're a little bit ahead, but unfortunately the UK decided to sail off. So a little bit of that protection goes away with that. So and but I think, that's the future ahead of us. That's yeah. got, that those clamps have to come in. Control around our personal information, how it's leveraged, needs to come in, and also the avoidance of use by, uh, you know, governments, uh, other large companies who might pay for that information. We've already seen examples mm-hmm. of it being very badly abused and changing the course of history. And that's my worst consideration here: and- is it, when we all get in bed with Facebook, like is. Are we changing the course of history as a result of that? But I, I don't actually see us changing this train on its tracks because I, I think enough people are going to be going to the honey, going mm-hmm. to the device that, that that is the best at the moment in the market. 
And I think that's that's a good way to sort of round up uh, the conversation, really, because we've been talking about it for a, over an hour now. Um, and, and, you know, I think we could go on for many, many hours, but I don't think uh, the people <laughs> would stick around. So maybe maybe we should sort of round it up by this. Um, you know, does does this fundamentally and I'm sure it will change uh, people's opinion on maybe getting the, ne- the next uh, Oculus device. But does it change anyone's opinions on this show or and let us know in the chat as well? Um, if this changes your opinion on getting the next hardware um, because of this change in policy and because of this Facebook account requirement. Um, and I think I'll start because, and I mentioned this on the video, and, and maybe it was an unpopular opinion because, you know, I, I'm more a bit blasé about these things. And I'm glad to have uh, Ken on the show to talk about it, you know, from an opposite point of view. Um, because I, I linked my uh, Oculus account and my Facebook account you know, a year or so ago. Um, so I've already sort of made that choice in my mind going forward. And I don't think this changes anything, you know, it's not going to stop me from enjoying whatever headset comes out next. And of, of course, I think now, um, based on what's happened, I'll keep a more open mind and try and track what's going on to try and be more educated in terms of these privacy concerns. But certainly it won't change the way, you know, my gamer brain thinks in terms of I just want to try the next big best thing and play the next big best game. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you guys think and certainly what the chat think as well. Mm. Who wants to go next? Yep. I, I'll go on that. I, I think I'm a little bit um, on the opposite end of that. Uh, I think that the, the technology as it is now already is, is, is very impressive. Of course, I want technology to improve, but uh, I don't want to, like, like I said before, like, you know, the, the end doesn't justify the means. Like, I, I don't see myself being completely comfortable with the kind of scenario, the pessimistic scenario that Kant has, uh, has put forward uh, for me to be, okay, like I'll do all of that in order just to get, you know, the next new best thing. Uh, I, I want technology to go forward, but I prefer it to go forward at a slower pace. Um, if that means that my data is secure or my privacy is more secured, uh, I do think that that is very important and that's exactly also why I asked Kent the question of like, you know, wh- wh- why should people care about this kind of thing? Because it's not because you don't do something wrong or it's not because, you know, you, you, you haven't you haven't done something that you weren't supposed to do or, or whatever. It's just the amount of data that is being collected on you. Just imagine that, you know, insurance companies get a hold of that kind of data. Or if it's leaked out on the dark web. Imagine 10, yeah. yes, ten, exactly. 10 years of your data on the web that people have all this information about uh, you. That is an excellent point. Yeah, just, just, just everything, just everything that is, that is on there from the amount of like exercise you do to the, to the places that you visit, to your workplace, how many hours you spend there, how, how many, like there's so much data that can be collected and can be like even, 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 even worse can be brought together in order to deduct different kind of, uh, uh, different kind of data. And I think that is the, like they say, like the data is the new oil. And there's a very good reason for saying that because when you when you it's not about it's often not about the quality of data that you have, but it's about the amount of data that you have because you can detract more quality from a very big data set. But what Facebook have, has is they have an enormous data set that is also of a very high quality. So it's the, it's the two best things that are put together, and they can pretty much do anything that they want with that kind of data. And I I don't know if I feel 100% comfortable with that. Now, it is Facebook, and I know that Facebook is under the, the scrutinous eye of people like, for example, Kent. So 
I, I do feel a little bit more protected by that. I would feel far more uh, uh, worried if, a, for example, was a company in some kind of country where the privacy laws are completely non-existent. I would be far more uncomfortable with that. But I know that the spotlight is constantly shining on Facebook. And I, I, I am very happy that people like Kent and, and many others are constantly busy on trying to like work out the details in those privacy policies. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And I just want to jump in there and say that I personally feel like a David versus Goliath. I mean, it's not even that. It's like yeah. going against some of the biggest mega tech corp. I mean, I'm completely outmatched on all levels. And then it's weeks like this where no matter what I do or try to engage or whatever, it's just like, they're just going to do what they're going to do. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, even though I'm I'm operating at a cultural level, but it's I don't know if it's actually changing any business practices uh, within mm-hmm. Facebook. And so, but you're creating awareness. The it's reason awareness, why yeah. you're on this podcast and the reason why we're having this discussion yeah. is because but, people like you bring this to life. But it, I think and I think that is important. But I think the thing that I, Anton said, which was the most dark <laughs> thing, is like <laughs> Facebook is just going to do what they're going to do, and they, they don't care about the enthusiast community. They're going to do this for the larger sake of reaching an enterprise, like a, a consumer market. And so that's sort of like the other concern is that not the people that like have the luxury to choose to not be on Facebook. Some people can't because that's how they get internet access. And, you know, there's like mm. all these other aspects, but, but, but I just want to say for me personally, I am mm. likely going to get access to the new hardware and I'll probably end up linking. Well, I won't have an option, but I'll, like as a tech journalist, um, you know, someone like Jaron Lanier has opted to just kind of opt out and to not like, speak uh, and not be engaged in social media. And, th- and that's not my, like as an experiential journalist, I don't think I can be credible as an experiential journalist if I opt out. And so there's a part of me that needs to opt into this, but I'm resistant. And I don't like the fact that whatever I may be doing could be leaked out. It could be, you know, recorded. They're like having social interactions in the quest means that anything I say or do could be sort of recorded by Facebook. And, you know, it's just kind of creepy that the, this sort of having this sense of like this big brother watching me and tracking me and not not having any way to have any accountability or to be able to look at it and to see and to you know matter no matter what they say to me say oh we're not doing that but it's always with the caveat yet we're not doing that yet we're not serving you ads yet we're not tracking this yet we're not tracking this at a high enough frequency yet but at any moment tomorrow that could change and they don't have to tell me so how do i how as a journalist can i have any sort of accountability unless they have some sort of a co-transparency where they post their code up and you have algorithmic transparency and you're able to see what the database and what they're actually recording, what they're doing. And unless they have that level of transparency, then we're not going to know. Uh, but at the same time, I, I really believe what Neil Trevitt says is that it's impossible for the open alternative to happen until you have the potential of what is possible. And we need that to show what's possible to create the culture and the, the market and the dynamics around that in order us to have a viable alternative. And so that's where I put my hope is that like, mm-hmm that the quest will be successful enough from a market perspective that other competitors will come in and provide market alternatives yeah, that maybe yeah, yeah. have That's a good point, different yeah. approaches and that like Facebook's just going to do what they're doing and, and they're going to like have this strategy and like they have this whole thing on surveillance capitalism and that's like, that's how they're funding it and it wouldn't exist without it. And that's the paradox is yeah. that like the thing that exists and what, the, what's so amazing that I use personally wouldn't even exist without all the billions of dollars investment that they've done. The mm-hmm. question is how they recoup that investment and how mm-hmm. can they be in dialogue and how can they sort of be transparent? How could they just not thrust things upon us, but actually be in conversation to have transparency and accountability? What does that actually look like? These are all questions that nobody really knows the answer to. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not putting any trust in the governments of anywhere to be able to like really push that back 
And I think it, it will end up likely having to come from the consumers in the market and people that are listening to this podcast to sort of like figure out what do they need to know? What do they, what would they need to be able to see for them to feel completely safe and secure and not feel like somebody's, you know, spying on them and everything they do is within the virtual environment. And, you know, like from, from, from my corner, having been here involved with the Oculus Facebook uh, mutation since 2013, uh, I made my decision uh, with the DK2 back in, um, back when I was pre-ordering the DK2. I, I sat there and I thought about two things. You guys know I care about health and medical and all of that. And I thought, you know, this is a nascent technology. I'm sticking my eyes in this device. Am I going to go blind in 10 years and really think uh, that really wasn't worth it for all the games that I played or whatever? The second thing I thought of was it's only been, I think it was two months or maybe six weeks or something like that since the announcement and Facebook had uh, acquired Oculus. And I, I asked my wife, I said, like, surely that's short enough of time then they can't affect up the device. Like this is going to be, this is just going to be an Oculus device that I'm going to get in a couple of months. It was five months or whatever. But at that stage, I made that decision. I, like, and I, so I feel with this announcement, while some people have been woken up to the fact that, oh, my Oculus device is actually, you know, connected to Facebook. And a lot of people, I think consumers in particular, won't have even considered the two connected in any way, despite it being written on the box or whatever. It's subtext. They never, it was never like, echoed in their face enough. And I think that's what's what's driving a lot of the excitement um, over there. There's still a difference between being okay with that decision and not caring about your data being, you know, sold out. Of course you care about yeah, but like, the privacy of your data, where I right? sit on that is like, my phone's been listening, you know, our phones have been listening to us for like, what, 30 years, 20 years but at least? But isn't that all the more reason to care about it? That's a, that, I just want to say that's a little bit of a whataboutism. You know, privacy has already gone way too far. And I don't think that's a valid argument to say, well, just because it's already yeah. terrible, we should just continue down this that's path. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, yeah. I'm not accepting that. That's not, my, again, my answer here is if you're trying to control a corporation the size of a country, you need to control that through regulation and regulatory bodies, not through you know, Joe Schmo VR consumer deciding he's not going to buy a Quest, he's going to go buy a Vive Cosmos instead. It just doesn't make sense. You're not playing, like you said, it's it's David versus Goliath in that res respect. And if you want to win in that argument, not just against a single entity, but every entity that's operating, it, you need some form of backing government and regulatory side. So for me, it's not going to alter my behavior at this news. Um, I'm still excited for the new uh, Quest, but one of the things I just have to put out there is you know, I do get that uh, kind of funny feeling, and I've I've had it before with Facebook, where it's like that oily feeling on the skin. It's like, you know, am I getting in bed with some people who have done done some some influenced some bad historic decisions? And if that's the case, you know, keep an eye on them, keep your eyes open, keep listening. That's what I do, and have an open dialogue with them as much as you can and much as they allow. It's the same thing that developers have been saying to Kent is, uh, you know. Is that feedback actually being heard? Is it being utilized? Is it changing the platform? And I like to tend to think that Facebook are listening to us, even though they don't communicate back. It's their corporate choice and style design choice and strategic choice as they're trying to climb the ladder and be the new Apple for VR to not communicate back to us. So that's that's where I stand on it. I'm curious where Nathy sits. Yeah, so, so first of all, um, I'm just like you, like I, 
I, I got an Oculus Rift DK1. I remember joking about uh, this whole Facebook thing with my DK2 where it was like, imagine if you need to use your Facebook account, you need to log in and there is no other way anymore. And then the CB1 came and it was still not time for that. And, and then after a while you're like, will it ever happen? Maybe it's not gonna happen. Um, so, so this week, even that I have been so invested into Oculus for so long, I was, I was still surprised by it too. Um, just because the products never reflected that Facebook vibe, you know. Um, Oculus Connect did feel more like a Facebook event, especially when you have Mark Zuckerberg coming up. You're like, okay, wait, so it's not Palmer Lucky anymore. It's not Oculus anymore. It's Facebook now. Um, but um, just to get to the point, I will continue to use Oculus products. Uh, on a personal level, I have been using a Facebook account since I can remember. Um, and... Uh, also because the thing is, if I would decide to not do it, it's kind of like what Ken says with his you know, background in journalism. I'm running a VR channel. So by saying no to all of this, I can't supply my content to people anymore. I can't make videos about the next Quest or about the next Oculus hardware. And my goal is to make people excited for VR. But I do have to say, with every uh, like all the discussion we saw this week and also what the developers have said there there is like my um my excitement for vr has died a little bit with the oculus hardware for sure and hearing these stories from developers make me extremely sad and i i've heard those stories before yeah and you know and that sucks because the hardware is absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. I have never tried something so awesome as the Quest. You know, I've never been so freaking excited about standalone. But the fact that there is no open discussion and there is no what the VR community loves so much, and that is, you know, uh, talking about problems, thinking about solutions, but not being able to share that with the uh, company who makes the hardware that yeah. they. Because you can say whatever you want, but the baseline are developers, are the community. Those are the people who made the Quest what it is right now. And I don't know if the Quest 2 is gonna be the same way because the reputation on the Quest 2 is a little bit different now. When people are gonna ask me, should I buy an Oculus Quest 2 or should I buy whatever they come up with? I do have to now tell them, listen, you know, first it wasn't so relevant to, you know, you could just have an account, you could just play whatever. But now it's like, listen, let's first talk about Facebook. And I wish that wasn't the case, that it would just be yeah. the Oculus Quest Great headset, done. So that that's kind of my, so I'm in the middle, you know, there is a part where I also think this is super scary. It's just like, I, it's almost like the Quest is like a personal thing to me where I just feel sad about the hardware because the hardware doesn't deserve this whole stupid discussion, but we have to have it because it's fucking relevant right now. Yeah. And we're living in a world where you pay with data, you know, Facebook Horizon. I'm super, super pumped for that. But I know when I go in there that I pay with my data, okay? I know it. And as long as we can keep the discussion going, it's very good. So I'm happy to see that, you know, Kent is on the show, that you can have a fine discussion about it. And yeah, we'll see. I don't know, I'm like getting a little emotional because I love VR so much, but I don't like this whole data thing, man. Yeah. I hate it, but 
And I, I think, you know, it's fair to say that we all feel the same way. And I think, you know, that is the most important thing to come out of this is to have these kind of discussions and yeah. certainly to get opinions from people like Kent, you know, that, that may differ from your own individual, uh, you know, feelings yeah. on the matter. And I think it does come down to yeah. how you personally feel about this yeah. going forward, whether you're going to invest in a new Oculus headset or maybe go with, a th uh, yeah. you know, another headset or another platform. And I think, you know, regardless of that is a personal choice. And just think about it and maybe yeah. review terms and conditions and privacy policies of different yeah. companies and make that informed decision. True. But certainly going forward, you know, to have that caveat of, can I recommend this headset? Well, you've got yeah. to consider having a Facebook account, I think is an important yeah. thing to to point out. And certainly... Well, you need to have... It's not the account that is a problem. You need to have an account for Steam as well in order to use... Well, it's, it's more of... It's more of, are you being willing to sort of submit yourself exactly. to an un un unknown and un untransparent, unaccountable way of being tracked and recorded yeah. in all of your biometric data. Yeah. It's sort of like that caveat that, you know, I, I recorded an interview nine days after the Quest came out at uh, Augmented World Expo with Chris Miranda of InterVR. And he was so pumped and excited about the Quest. And I, I wanted to have that same level of just like unbridled enthusiasm about like this engineering feat that was going to change the world. But then it was like, ah, but there's just like this caveat that it's like, I can't just sort of like unconditionally recommend this because we don't know. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, we yeah. don't know yeah. what it is. And, and like, if we would have some way to kind of check it, but it's like, there's no checks and balances, there's no accountability and like yeah, looking at yeah. the behavior and also just listening to the, the experiences that specific independent VR developers and companies have had with Facebook also gives me pause because there's something aspects of like Facebook wanting to own and control specific aspects of the VR ecosystem that is also sort of like, is everybody that is contributing into uh, unconditionally promoting VR helping to create the context in which that we create this kind of IOI uncontrolled, like, yeah. you know, yeah. mega core panopticon who's like controlling <laughs> everything. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So there's and always I, that sort of caveat. And I get that. And I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting pass from here on out to monitor, like whether this does affect, you know, drastically sales wise of this new headset, regardless of how good it is or how cheap it might be, like, will this make a dent in the industry? And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be the most well, interesting thing to track over the next coming months and years. One, one thing is for sure, the vibe has changed and the feeling about the yeah. future of VR has also changed. For it sure. This week for me, long. it felt like something like pretty like something big changed and for me it was always oculus from facebook but now it's like facebook from yeah. facebook <laughs> and I, yeah i think i think it's gone yeah you're right it's gone from being you know super I mean? super so excited maybe to new hardware be great yeah. for vr but i like quest yeah. the new quest 2 i'm like hmm, yeah i don't know i felt different about it two weeks ago <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean because yeah. it's now official it's gonna happen we now have to deal with it there's no other way you can get into a new oculus headset by using an account and before that i know it was also looming but now it's a fact and we can't do anything about it anymore and i think that's where we should probably draw a line under it <laughs> you know we've talked about it for a long time and hopefully no. you know if you've listened to the show and you know we we've laid out the points in a fair yeah. way to make an informed decision i think like i said yeah. i reiterate it mm -hmm. it's a decision that you have to make personally on yeah. your personal but I do, and also if you're if you're watching this video on facebook we still appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think i think what, what it comes down to is i still feel the love of the of the vr scene and the community and the passion that we all have for this whole thing even this discussion shows that you know yeah, that of course. we all love vr we really wanted we, to succeed we wouldn't be here if we didn't care put it that way no um so thank you again ken for your insights into this yes. and uh 
Now yes. let's round up the show with some releases because we've got quite a few releases actually to wow. talk about this, this week as well. Show ever. Been, you know, we decided to choose, to choose this discussion when we've got like five releases that are actually pretty decent to talk about this week. So oh, that's apologies, five, Mike. But oh, yeah, sorry. We, <laughs> it's shoot all good. away! Shoot away! Yeah, yeah. Release time. So, um, Grant. So releases. First one out. Um, this was dropped on the 20th of August, Gravity Lab by Mark Schramm. I'll run the trailer for you guys and you can see it. Uh, $15, 11 pounds. Um, this is like Puzzler fans, I want you to take note here because if uh, this floaty object gravity game is back and now it's on Quest. It was previously released on Rift and Vive on the 18th of May, 2017. Uh, quite good physics interactions, uh, various types of objects floating around given panels, various tools to um, get from A to B. Um, and I think that, you know, games like physics-based puzzles like this uh, can be quite addicting, uh, says the man who was addicted to Gadgeteer in, uh, in 2019. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to say. So uh, this game, again, if you're, if you're coming from kind of flat and you're new to VR, uh, think maybe World of Goo, I think, would be the closest thing I can say. If you took World of Goo and you put it into VR, uh, then you got Mark Schramm's Gravity Lab. Uh, so again, I'm going to be nice. going pretty quick through these things. Uh, do let me know if you want to make a comment about one of these games. Otherwise, I'm we're not just not going to have time. I'm not trying to. <laughs> Mark Schramm's a, an old old school VR developer. So yeah, he's yeah. he's been doing some great stuff there. He really gets around as well. He's done a few things. He's helped out on uh, multiple different projects. And um, yeah, anyway, let's keep, uh, let's keep on going. Next one, Lockdown VR Kidnapped. Now this one uh, strikes an interesting chord for me. Um, it, it, it has kind of very basic visuals, but uh, that's not why I'm showcasing it. So for $10, uh, £7.19, on the 20th of August, Zoom Games dropped Lockdown VR. Uh, Lockdown Escape is a Singaporean-based company since 2013 doing real room escapes. Uh, now, they've put together a VR app uh, that has six-player co-op multiplayer, uh, and it's a room escape. Uh, you can... All, you can um, uh, turn on a 60-minute timer, just like you have in a real experience. Uh, there's a hint system. From the Steam reviews, I'm seeing that some people are thrilled about this. Some find it to be mediocre. It is quite mixed at the at the beginning. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested in this. There are a few games, very few, that are kind of bright and cheery room escapes that aren't down, dungy, dark, dingy, right? That are actually appropriate for you if, if you're feeling a little bit low want to connect with friends or whatever we obviously all did that pet uh kind of um, experience anyway that we had done that was quite pricey and honestly for a tenner each it's not a bad price of entry for something that you can do six player co-op multiplayer room escapes are a fun way to break the blues when you're stuck inside mm. it's the second week in a row that you're covering a, a kidnap game no <laughs> yes we, we the, had the, the trunk, trunk one last time <laughs> yeah but that was, I guess that was a single-player one, so that's... Uh, you get worried, Zim? <laughs> you should always be worried with me, Rowdy, to be honest. <laughs> well, at least at least this one is real. Like, he sometimes also lies about releases, and it's not even a true release. <laughs> Irregularly, you know, you got to keep people on their toes. <laughs> that's my best... Master that was troll. your best release ever. Wow. <laughs> I, I can't remember what that one was. Anyway, uh, mm. next. Okay, so this one's a freebie uh, that's just landed on PSVR. Interesting model. Um... So this one is called Mortal Blitz Combat Arena. This mm. one reminds me a lot of The Unspoken uh, in, in that you've got kind of teleporty type mechanics. It's a fast-paced freemium VR FPS, ah. multiplayer, and uh -huh. free up to a certain player level. Once you get to level 10, then you've got to pay. So this oh. is by Sekonic Entertainment. 20th of August is when it landed. PSVR, it's the only PSVR, well, sorry, it's the second PSVR title in my lineup today. 
Um, but I thought I would just share that because there's not been a lot. We've been kind of dry spell on PSVR for some time. It mm -hmm. is free, so you can go and play it without <laughs> paying any money uh, up to a certain point. So it's like having a demo on there, which I think is wait, a wait, smart so, model for them. So to have fun longer, you just need to level very slow. So you keep missing. That's it, exactly. I don't know if you get stuck on level 10 and then you have to pay for it. I don't know. But, but it's, it's a good model. I think it's a good model. More people should kind of give this a try. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm really featuring this week is just different approaches to VR. Like the, the previous one was this Singapore based, right? Like Room Escape studio mm -hmm. that's actually trying to uh, stay alive in this environment by yeah. going the VR route. And it looks like that could be quite a successful avenue for some of them to go. Well, the um, reason why this one is coming to the consumers is because this is an arcade title and right yep. now as you know they're close so they yep. need to make some money and this is their way to do it yeah and having lived in london mike mentioned trocadero earlier and i was thinking geez how are <laughs> they know. staying alive right now because all their money is you know physical arcade 90s, machines and stuff 90s vr they're bringing it back that's it mortal blitz combat arena again grab it on psvr if you've got one but you don't have any cash so uh the next one this one's going to be this one's i'm, I'm queuing up for nathy it's a theme park uh, it's a theme park. So Orlando oh. theme park VR. You can't get to Florida, which you probably can't right now unless you're in Florida. Orlando theme park VR roller coaster and rides is another free uh, experience with paid DLC. And not a small amount of paid DLC, mind you, a feck ton. So $33 or £26 worth of DLC. The trailer that we're showing at the moment shows a number of different rides. Uh, you do have to pay for the roller coaster, which I found quite disappointing. So this theme park that you can wander around, again, modeled off after a real life theme park, um, the roller coaster will cost you seven pounds. So near on $10 pounds. just for that one ride. Wow. What, what you get in the free model, I, I found a bit laughable. This is what you get. You get the Ferris wheel, Halloween <laughs> maze, you get oh. a princess castle, that's for Rowdy. <laughs> you get a medieval village <laughs> and you get, they actually list this on the page you get to walk around the whole park for free. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so, free. Well, you know, you, Nathan watched earlier in the week uh, the model. I was playing an Oculus Go game called Can You Escape the Yacht, where it's a room escape and you had to pay for hints after a certain point. Oh, yeah, 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 three yeah. for free, a pat, like $2 for hints after that, <laughs> yeah. which is a really interesting model. And I love after talking um, about all the kind of, you know, evil corporate looming side. At least now we're looking <laughs> at various models in terms of gameplay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I well, threw that one in there for you, Nathan. The other thing that you actually have, which they throw in, is they, they, they say, uh, if you buy the full pack for all the various bits, you get the puke perk. Uh, and they specifically say, awesome to create YouTube videos and to scare your friends. So I, I <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see where they're coming is, from. Okay. Bizarre. Bizarre. I don't know. <laughs> I think there are better out there. If you're really looking for a roller coaster ride, I'd personally recommend No Limits uh, 2. That's the best oh, yeah. VR yeah, roller no, coaster experience that I think I've yeah. had. Titanic level, by the way, in No Limits 2. Can oh, totally recommend. A Titanic level. Oh, I like yeah, the one yeah. with the old uh, old school choo-choo train. That, that one's oh. a very exciting level. I don't remember mm. what it's called, but there you go. <laughs> okay, now for, uh, now for a bit of time with the father. Um, so this is back to PSVR for, uh, I'm sure you guys are guessing it, Vader Immortal a Star Wars VR series. So 25th of August, ILM XLab uh, is landing the trilogy of Star Wars games onto PSVR for what is estimated to be about $30 or 25 pounds. 
Um, so let me just sum that up for those of you who've seen this already presented in jumping platforms and presented the episodes and all the different chats we've had about this. So I'll just summarize it for people without any spoilers. So episode one, you meet Z0E3, uh, the love of your life, a bisexual droid co-pilot, and things get complicated. In episode two, as a rowdy Padawan, you learn about the birds and the bees and you awaken your force inside you. And then in episode three, finally you meet your distant and uninvolved father. Uh, you talk it off, you, you talk it out in a in a loving heart to heart. So those are the three episodes of um, Vader Immortal summarized for you. If that sounds mm. interesting, then uh, pay your money, uh, get your ticket on PSVR. Okay, uh, next is Shooty Fruity, an Oculus Quest game. So if you uh, if you can stive off the uh, uh, the, 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 the kind of new Facebook news, then uh, Shooty Fruity on Quest aims to be quite an exciting little um, uh, wave shooter, essentially, from a couple of years ago. Um, and it's now being re-released on the Quest. So I'm, I'm quite um, looking forward to this one because Shooty Fruity was quite an exciting, like a yeah, range so of colorful gunplay, some really good um, mechanics True. in there. What but, you're actually doing is yeah. you're a shopkeeper <laughs> So yeah. you actually have to scan packages, sort things <laughs> yeah. on trays, uh, while at the same time, your little monkey brain has to find a way to aim with realistic VR shooting mechanics and mm -hmm. blow up, you know, this um, this mutant fruit that's attacking oh, yeah, you. And, and your guns are, come like, they come by on these rails, right? And you have to grab one and then, like... I forgot about that. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So you've And they got, break, too, after a while. <laughs> and they break. <laughs> so it is, honestly, one of the more involved... Games, if you're looking for a chill experience, do not buy Shooting Fruity. <laughs> it's not chilled. It's not not chilled. It is quite like old now though, right? Like I've, I've played this like ages yeah, ago. Yeah, 2016 uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Back back when wave shooters were still like, I know, okay, I guess. <laughs> now it's just like, I, I think dragging that boat. I like. think this one is arrived so late because Endreams has been of course working on, on, on Phantom and also bringing other titles to, uh, you know, mm. uh, the quest. So this is kind of like a late bloomer. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, they can, so why not? Yeah. I, I, yeah, on Quest, of course. I think it'll do well. I think it'll do well because it's quite an exciting title. Again, I think it, it, it would it would be really well received by kind of the younger crowd, and a lot of questers yeah. are in that age bracket. So, mm. yeah, there you go. That's shooting. Not my personal preference <laughs> because you don't like fruit. You're hating on the fruit. Yeah, especially oh, yeah. if I need to shoot it. <laughs> Roddy doesn't okay. eat his fruit and vegetables. <laughs> not a veg man. All right. Uh, last big game that I have for you here is a, uh, a racing game that I think is going to be met with quite contention. Um, so this is Project Cars 3, landing on the 28th of August. Uh, so that's just next week. Um, the price is steep on this one. This is $59.99 in US dollars, $49.99 in pounds. Um, mm -hmm. Note that if you're VRing, the, the developer recommends Slightly Mad Studios they recommend a GTX 980 minimum graphics card. So if you've been happily running, um, you know, a CV1 or something with a 970 or below a 960, which I've heard a lot of people are using those cards still, um, then you're going to need, you're probably going to need to upgrade your graphics if you want to run this thing. Now, on paper, it's got some pretty heavy specs. 200 elite brand race and road cars, 120 global tracks, global tracks, that's crazy, custom liveries so you can customize your ride, uh, weather, and they call enhanced AI. Now there were a lot of people, fans of Project Cars 2 from the early streams that we are seeing already of Project Cars 3 and the kind of feedback that's been dropping about the game. It goes a bit more arcadey away from the sim side. 
And uh, I'm certainly of the opinion that if Project Cars 2 really wanted to make a dent in the world, that they probably would have gone more sim. And it looks like they're going more arcadey. So if so, that's what you want in your racer uh, and you're willing to pay $60 for it, then Project Cars 2 is a thing. So would this be an opportunity for the noobs that never really play racing sims to kind of where it's more arcadey and kind of as their first introduction, maybe? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I'm really wondering across, you know, Assetto and Dirt and the original Project Cars, not a single one of them has done the VR menu system that brings you into the game mm -hmm. um, without like just a large flat panel monitor sitting in front of you that you uh -huh. make selections from and then click into. So I'm really hoping that for the money, they've managed to kind of feather out their VR component of their game. And, uh, and arcade racers are a good entry point for people who want to get into racers in general. But if you want to get into sim racing, then you don't go for an arcade racer. It's not, not going to teach you the basics that you need to be able to be competitive. So, so what, what, what Zim uh, discount code can we use to uh, get the game cheaper? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the gym is a lie, I think, is the discount gym code. Gym is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, a couple of other uh, bits, just mentions that we've got here, things that if you didn't catch it during the week, uh, you might want to know about. Firstly, Linkin Park's DLC for Beat Saber um, has dropped. Uh, some of you guys have obviously been toying around with this, so there's a dedicated pack for Linkin Park. A bit of a surprise, I'd say. I mean, I'd listened to Linkin Park devoutly back in the day, and obviously last year's news was sad in that territory, but I'm really glad that they brought the Linkin Park DLC. Mike, I saw you play on this. How do you feel they uh, fared with this one? Yeah, I think they did a great job. You know, this is one of the first music packs we've seen since, uh, you know, Beat Games have been bought by uh, by Facebook. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a great music pack. You know, Linkin Park hits, and especially as I've been t uh, testing out some of the haptic vests this week, you know, it's been a great pack uh, to try some of those out. Obviously, I had to postpone that just because of the news, and I'm going to continue my sort of uh, testing next week and hopefully deliver that video next week. Um, <laughs> Don't you find it funny that one of the hit songs is like, in the end, it doesn't even matter? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they drop this news oh about God. Facebook and, yeah. and Oculus. And the other thing I want to point out is I think they did an amazing job with the trailer. You know, like this mixed reality capture trailer, you know, Splitiverse are responsible yeah, for this uh, awesome. trailer. And I think they do just such an excellent job in, in, in marketing uh, VR, you know, and making it look really, really cool. So I think they did a great job with that. Did they do the Tarzan one as well? I don't think Splitverse no. were involved in no. the Tarzan trailer. No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> that was a great trailer. Because that um, was even better. That, <laughs> arguably, in my opinion, yes. Uh, I agree. If you haven't seen the Tarzan trailer, go go, go check that out. Uh, one more final piece, and this is uh, this is coming to hopefully cleanse a point that Nathan and I were both talking about. So a little bit of PSVR news. Iron Man VR, which we were touting, is quite a solid uh, release. Um has had a big old patch. So there's a Game Plus mode been added, tougher difficulties. Uh, upgrades to your armor are available. But I think the most interesting thing, yeah. which might seem like a simple thing, but if you haven't played mm -hmm. the game, trust us, Nathan and I are shaking our heads at this thing in, in a very positive <laughs> light, which is reduced loading times. Some of the loading times have been reduced by up to 30 seconds. Uh, across the board, they're saying that the loading times have been brought down, yeah. and that is probably the most welcome and unexpected news I was, ex you know, that was coming at us from Iron Man. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, right. It's 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 fantastic to hear that. I'm glad that they listened to the community and brought it back. Um, yes. You know, and made it a bit uh, a bit tighter. New weapons, 
new new armor types uh as you said like uh, you can play the campaign again but then use your upgrades from the first time you played it and you have like you can skip missions too that were just boring and you can also play some new wave-based stuff so i don't know so now so now nathan you can just start a brand new series starting from the beginning again you know yeah, do, make, do another series. Videos. <laughs> yeah yeah and now you can skip the cinematics as well so you don't have to watch yeah. the same cinematics no, this is great again, this is, is great like fantastic. you you would think that it's standard for these updates to come but i i, I played so many games that still have slow loading times and have never been updated so it's great to see this or unskippable yeah. scenes in a game that you love but you're like i don't want to be sitting through this 10 minutes can i just That's go true. past it yeah yeah so yeah. hats off to camouflage great job According to Paradise Decay, the Tarzan trailer was indeed done by Spider-Man. You see? You see? Told ya. We got owned there. So that's the releases. Just a few of them. Gravity Lab, Lockdown, Mortal Blitz, Orlando Theme Park, Vader Immortal, Shooty mm. Fruity, Project Cars 3, Beat Saber and Iron Man both getting some new fresh I'm updates. spending those seven bucks on that, you know, that one ride in that theme park, man. Yeah. And now, trailer quiz! No. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That is thankfully Imagine. it for this week. I need to go make dinner for the kids. Yeah. Oh, it's been an exhausting one, but fantastic. (laughs) Thank you for staying. If you stayed throughout the entire show, you get like a purple heart or something. We'll ship them out in like August or December or fall or something. Maybe spring. A Facebook blue kind of logo. Facebook blue logo. (laughs) So we'll we'll wrap up the show there. Uh, We'll, of course, be back at the usual time next week uh, for some more VR news. So make sure you stay tuned for that. I appreciate everyone dropping by. And thanks again to Ken uh, for for joining us this week. It's interesting to get his insights on, on the subject as well. And uh, maybe you can tell people, just uh, remind them again where they can check out your future podcasts and stuff if they want to listen to some more stuff from you. Yeah, uh, I'm at uh, Voices of VR, so you can go to VoicesOfVR.com if you want to listen to the podcast. I'm at Kent Buy on Twitter. And everything that I do is also funded by Patreon. So if you want to help support this type of, uh, to help fund a little bit of the, the David going against the Goliath, then please do consider becoming a member of the Patreon at Voices of VR. Uh, uh, patreon.com slash voices of vr so thanks awesome yeah and definitely go and check out the the two interviews recently with darshan and anton uh they're definitely interesting listens so thanks again for joining us ken um so yeah have a great week in vr we'll be back next week so take care of yourself and bye-bye for now see you later